It's time for a completely unnecessary podcast for, wow, 11-11, November 11th, 2015. It's a Wednesday night alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I'm Pat Contry. We have a lot of topics and stuff to discuss, ranging from retro video game news to modern game news to ass slaps being taken out of games to movie news to video game movie news to TV news. Oh, my God. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. On the show, we're talking about bootleg games coming into... Until Luna. Wow, that's yes. going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, more GameStop buffoonery with them sending out counterfeit games to people. We both have a story. This is basically uh, about that. a weekly topic at this point. Yeah. Um, museums can now jailbreak game consoles for preservation. That's good news. Facebook stealing YouTube videos and views. The scumbag, bag, 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 seller is coming back. Uh, we'll talk about that. In a big way. We'll be talking about... Um, the confirmation of the Super Nintendo uh, PlayStation CD prototype being real. Bob Ross Twitch stream? What? Stadium events found in St. Louis for 120 bucks, and it's now on eBay for ten grand. Uh, people up in arms about Street Fighter V changing Rainbow Mika's ass slap. Uh, <laughs> that's just funny to even say that. Uh, Screw Attack is shutting down and getting rolled up into Rooster Teeth. Uh, Classic Game Room might be shutting down or changing. That's a very old... Uh, retro, one of the oldest retro gaming channels on YouTube. MST3K Kickstarter. The Warcraft movie trailer. The Activision slash Blizzard TV and movie studio st- uh, starting up. Gem Yank from theaters. Ian reviews Peanuts. I talk about Spectre for 30 seconds. A Star Wars fan dies after seeing the new film. Aww. And no Q&A. We're going to be opening up your presence though, uh, this week. Ian, what's going on? Not a whole lot. I'm exhausted. I... I'm just working. Uh, things have shifted drastically at work uh, in the employee department. Which... Someone got shit canned. Someone got shit canned, and did you uh, tell them yourself? Did you break the bad news? No, I didn't. Although I would. Dude, would you have gotten pleasure out of that? I've never had to fire someone. I've been in the decision of firing someone, but I was always never the person to actually break the news. No, I wouldn't have gotten a pleasure out of it. The, the person who who we lost had been there for like three years, basically the second longest employee besides me. Um, so there was no pleasure in it, but there was just guy wasn't doing his job anymore. wasn't paying attention to schedules. wasn't showing up to work when he should, and we had to let him go, which is going to make for a Incredibly tense holiday season, but so if you're in the San Diego area or know anything about retro video games, be on the lookout for applications yep. that will soon be probably taken. actually. Uh, so that's good. Is there anything you recommend? Uh, any any past experience? You don't have to know what to count. You have to know how to alphabetize. Jesus, Christ, he's not even joking. Like these are seriously uh, problems that we have with employees. So uh, yeah, make sure you can alphabetize. Make sure you can count up when you're making change. Uh, uh, and, and realize that video games, yeah, video game knowledge is important. You can't get hired with no video game knowledge, but uh, customer service comes first. If you're going to drop off an application, don't come in and talk to me immediately about all the games you play. That I don't. That's don't not. Care. I don't care. I, I I would I would expect you to be playing games if you're applying. Be affable. Yes, we, we need social nerds. That's what I always say. We, we, we need non-introverted dorks. If Ian can get it done, you can get it done. That's what I say. Thank you, Pat. Um, you're still enjoying the new gym. I'm trying the new gym out. Yes, I it's like always it It's always intimidating. A new gym is almost like a new place where you're living. Because you spend there, you go there every day, just about, at least I do, like five, six days a week. And it's it's very strange getting comfortable with the environment. Then you have like all the muscle guys looking at you like, hey, you don't belong here. And all the people doing the kickboxing trying to eye you down. It's like, I'm just here to work out. 
this year to get swole. What's the difference? The guys yeah. practicing their wooden swords to very intense. I haven't music. seen that yet. And it happens at night. If that happens, I, I will get into part of that. I fenced in college. I could probably hold my own a little right, bit. They're like wooden katanas, but not like kendos. Ken- no, not not kendos. Like they're actually wooden katana blades. Yeah, they're wooden katana blades. Oh, I'm I'm down. I'd be able to. I, I go in the bit. MMA room and I do my ropes and my TRX, and they're all off in the corner, being highly dramatic. I picture uh, Ian being good at uh, drunken monkey kung fu. That, that's his be. preferable style. Yeah. Because we're not far off. Although tonight we are, I guess, he's actually drinking uh, uh, crystal crystal geyser, which makes the, the finest bubbly mineral mineral water on the planet. Reasonably priced. Um, uh, the the book is is getting done. Um, probably pre-orders next week. The week of the. The week of the 16th, finally. And then that brings us to the NES Marathon on the 21st and 22nd that we are preparing for. Uh, we'll be testing next week. So if you're on Twitch and or YouTube, you might be in the lookout for maybe commentary on if it looks right, if the sound levels are fine. I mean, eh, we'll see. We'll probably do it Tuesday or whatever. We'll see what happens with that Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and we're still, we're still taking donations, $25. You can choose a game at nesmarathon.com. We're still looking for sponsors. Uh, that's always fine. We're up to almost four grand. Last I checked, we're almost at mm-hmm. four grand. We'll probably be at five before we start. A little below last year, but I'm not complaining, being that this year we, we have less time uh, of prep than we did last year. About, about a week or two less, at least. Two weeks, I think. We usually give ourselves a, a month, and I think we've only given ourselves like two and a half weeks this year. And we have a sponsor. We do. This time out. So, our new sponsor is Embracewear. Hey, Ian and Pat. We're big friends of the podcast and wanted to give back by contributing to the Patreon. My company, Embraceware, is currently working on several retro-style games and would like to invite anyone who's interested to be part of our insider team. We really want to connect with retro gamers, and gathering feedback during the game development process is key. To jump in, just email insiders at embraceware.com. That's insiders at embraceware.com. You can also check out our first published game, Shuttle Scuttle, at embraceware.com. That's cool. And that's uh, Jerry, right? That is Jerry, who is very active in the Patreon forums, which is always nice. It's always good. We love Jerry. Jerry's also one of my patrons. Um, so I haven't had luck with electronics this year. Uh, not at all. And so this goes back to my first LCD TV was in Olivia. Remember Olivia? They still sell them, I think. They were like the sort of bargain-priced yeah. LCDs, but they actually were decent quality. They weren't just crap. And so we're talking 2006, getting a 37-inch LCD, which are probably five times as heavy as the ones that they are now. They're they're still thick. I spent like $1,200 in 2006 for an LCD 37-inch 1080i TV, not even P. That's that's before they were all even P yet. They're still I. Which, by the way, it doesn't matter that much because uh, here's a spoiler for you all. Most cable stations, uh, 95% don't broadcast in 1080p. It's still 1080i. Whoops. Well, anyway. you have to realize that we're talking to a bunch of people who play video games. That's when it matters. Sure. But that, but that's, people don't know that that most don't oh, even do yeah. it to any pay cable stations. Um, so then that lasted, it, it lasted a good nine years. That Olivia survived the move, survived the big Russian Olag. Uh, Spring has a story about that when he moved my stuff in and threatened me. I had, he extorted more money out of me to get me to move the stuff in. That was nice. That was a good time uh, back in 2009 when I moved here. So that TV survived the move. It survived until last uh, last November or October. It was right before the marathon. It was like a week before. Something usually goes wrong before the marathon each year, and last year it was the TV. So I got a Vizio refurbished 
um, smart LED TV. It was like four fifty, good deal, uh, fifty inch. It lasted eleven months only, unfortunately, before the the audio would be there, but this uh, but this uh, video not. And after looking into it, after I already got rid of it, it seemed like it was probably an issue with the board. You could have opened it up, put a new basically a board in, and it could have been fine. I don't have the time for that. I don't. Uh, I really don't. Um, so what happened was I, tr- I tried to return it because it was actually still under warranty. It was a year warranty. And so I had about three weeks left. So I was like, oh, I was lucky. They would have accepted, accepted a return. Um, so I knew shipping back was going to be expensive. Um, so I didn't really have a box to pack it in properly. I'll admit it, it wasn't 100% packed well. I did bubble wrap it. I did try to wrap it as much as I did to try to protect it. I put two boxes together. One 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 box covered about 85, 90% of it. I had to do another one and tape it. And I thought I bubbled it well. I go to, I go to this place to drop it off for UPS. You know, one of these intermediary places. Like a Postal, Postal Express. Or whatever. One of those, yeah. One of those places that you they, they basically, whatever, they probably take a percentage and off of it. Yeah. yeah. So I go there. And the guy was a little, he seemed okay. You know, he probably, probably the owner. And then um, I say, I'm going to return this. And he goes, well, this box doesn't look too too great, but okay, you know, whatever. Um, do you want insurance on it? I, I said, well, what insurance does it come with? It comes with $100. I'm like, I said, that's fine. I said, this thing's busted. They're going to get it back and give me back whatever amount, uh, you know, for it. That's fine. Um, I figured if I, if I paid to get it professionally boxed, and professionally packaged, it probably would have cost me $150 easily. Think about those big, huge boxes you have oh, to yeah. get and the foam thing. Not cheap. No. And then it would have cost me even more to ship it because it would have weighed like twice as much. So I'm thinking I take the gamble. It cost me about $63, something like that, to ship it with $100 shorts. And he kept asking me if I wanted the insurance for the full 400 and I thought that's strange if he thought that the box wasn't wasn't sturdy. Now, why does he want more money out of me? It probably would have cost me whatever, an extra 25 30 40 bucks for that. Whatever. Um, so... It gets shipped. He takes it. It's fine. Um, then five days later, I get a notice from uh, the eBay store that it was damaged in shipping. The screen got cracked. And it's part of the bezel was damaged. So they're not giving me my money back for it. So I can take that loss just because I figured uh, if the TV cost $400, um, if I professionally packaged it and shipped it, it would have cost me over $200. At the most, I was going to get back $200 anyway. I was losing money no matter what. It was just playing the odds of how much was I going to lose? Right. What could I get away with at that point? You know what I mean? How much money am I going to put good after bed? So I figure at least, okay, at least I can get back the $100 insurance if I go to the guy and process it because I can't do it myself. I do it through him. Uh, the claim because UPS damaged it um, in, in shipping. Um, so I, go, I walk in and I tell him the story and he basically says to me, well, I told you that box wasn't good enough to, to ship the TV. It wasn't packaged right. And I'm like, okay, you, you told me, sir, could you file the claim with UPS since they took the box, they're responsible for it, and it's not like I had to charge uh, insured for $1,000. I want to get back $100 max. That's all I was going to get back right. on this. I figured I lost money. I already lost $400 in the TV that lasted a year. I'm already hurting a little bit. And the guy um, basically said, no, I'm not filing the insurance. I'm like, why? He said, well, it's a waste of my time because, you know, the, the box wasn't that good. I, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir. I'm, I'm getting confused. They accepted the package, UPS. They shipped it. It was damaged during shipping. Doesn't that mean the claim gets filed, regardless of what your opinion is? Doesn't it get filed? He goes, yeah, but uh, I'm going to tell him that the box wasn't good. That it wasn't. I was, I was like, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay. 
this has does not affect you in the least. It has nothing to do with your monetary gain or loss. <laughs> it doesn't affect your quality of life. This is me. This is between me and UPS, not you. You're just a guy that I paid the money to. You probably took a 10 15% markup for the UPS service and then gave it to UPS to pick up, and they accepted it. UPS does not have to accept things that they, they don't think they're properly boxed. Correct. They don't. They took it. At that point, it's their responsibility. So this was a 10-minute conversation, and I never flipped out at anyone in customer service before, but this was a place where it, it would have been accepted that I would have done that. And plus, this guy, I think, owns the place. He's not just a worker. Right. You know, so it's like, fuck him. Um, but he, I was just standing on the counter, like, he's, I'm looking at him like, I said to him these words, so you're saying you're not going go to go to bathroom even and even just file the claim? Like, how long is that going to take you? Like, five fucking minutes to call him? He said, well, they got to go and see the box and see blah, blah, blah. So he wasn't going to file the claim, which is part of the agreement in shipping this. So at this point, I'm thinking, I wasted my time to package this the best of my ability, $63, and now I lost the $400 in the TV plus $63. I would have lost less money if I just tossed the fucking thing in the dumpster or salvaged it for parts and sold the stand and even the remote separately and got like that like 40 50 bucks. So this is like the worst possible case scenario. So I hate to say it, I'm going to be one of those guys. I had to dispute this on a credit card. Oh, then he goes to me. Oh, well, you're going to find back within seven to ten days after I follow it. I'll have a word for you, but I'm going to tell him not to side with you. He said this to me. I know. I'm like, all right, cool. Told, I remember you well, telling me Well, for the this. audience, and it's been over ten business days. He still hasn't gotten back to me. I doubt he filed. So I'm disputing the credit card charge for the shipping. And I'll, I'll get back my $63. I'm still at the $400. So I decided I want a new TV. So I go to Tiger Direct, which is usually a pretty good site. And they had a, uh, a JVC TV. Uh, usually it's like a $1,000 TV, 2014 model, really good reviews. It actually has a swivel stand. Not many LCDs have that. 55-inch. I'm upgrading now. No, I skipped something. I skipped something. That's right. I skipped my second TV I bought this year before the third. Um, so I, I, I got basically a replacement TV, but went up five inches. And I got it off of, off of Circuit City on eBay. Circuit City is still a thing on eBay. Uh, Tiger Direct actually bought them, which leads into the next part of the story. So I get the TV, beautiful, packaged well, refurbished again, set it up. Within like two hours, I'm like looking, I'm like, is something wrong with the left side of the TV? <laughs> so almost literally right down the middle, the left side of the TV is dimmer than the right. Like noticeably so. Like you could live with it, but no, for a TV you can't. No, that's that's something it, that would drive me. We're talking like nuts. 15, 20% dimmer on the left side. Yeah. It, but so I was like, all right, I got to return this. So I returned it. Um, and no questions asked the guy, it was like a freight company picked it up. Freight company didn't give me any sort of, um, any sort of form or any sort of tracking number, which I thought was strange, but he said, oh, don't worry about it. It was the same guy who delivered it the week before. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. So a week goes by and then Circus city doesn't have it yet, which is also tiger direct. So I, I call tiger direct and the lady says, we have no record of this being shipped back to us. And I'm like, the guy picked it up. It was the same guy who, who, who delivered it. I recognized him. He said, oh, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Sometimes these don't, don't work out. So she goes to me, are you sure it was someone working for that company? I'm thinking, no, someone randomly just came and stole my TV. After at delivering the, you a TV. At, that, at the precise time they were supposed to pick up in that four-hour period. So it, this was like, I was almost going out of my fucking mind. I'm like, oh, great. Now I lost another $550 for a TV. So they finally found it, it got returned, and I'm going to get that money back. So TV number three, 
I go to Tiger Direct. They have they have a Samsung thing. Oh, Samsung, a little bit better quality than Vizio. Vizio, I should be good. Order a Samsung, factory refurbished directly from Samsung. I'm getting into a theme about refurbished TVs and how you're playing with fire here. Um, it was a 2014 model, 55 inch swivel base. I'm like, that's awesome. Good reviews for video games, like only like a 44 uh, millisecond lag, uh, which is pretty good uh, for a TV. And it's like a thousand dollar TV, only six hundred and fifty dollars, like shipped or yeah. After, okay, that's pretty good. It arrives. Here's a problem. I look at the stand. It was a two piece stand where it clips on the back and then it goes in the bottom. Wasn't exactly fitting right. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll just set this up fine and it'll be fine. I put it on the table. Snap. Good thing I was still hold, holding on to it, or else it would have fell onto the floor. Um, so. The base was like the base probably for like the forty-five or fifty inch. It was like one size too small, the one the one piece on the back that snapped in from the bottom. So I call up, <clears throat> I call up Tiger Direct. This is all by the way. This is all happened within like a week. All this stuff by the way. So I call up Tiger Direct. I'm like, hey guys, uh, I almost dropped this TV on the ground because you sent me the wrong stand. And they're like, well, sir, uh, we're not responsible for the stand. We can't send you another stand. But we can call up uh, Samsung and talk to them. So I'm now on a group call with some customer service person in India calling up Samsung for a conversation about who's responsible for sending me a new stand. That's all I want, a $50 stand. In retrospect, I should have just went on fucking eBay and bought one. Because I didn't even get a chance to turn TV on, TV on to see if it even worked, to see if both sides were lit correctly. It probably was fine. I don't know why I didn't just buy a stand, but I figured, this is bullshit. I shouldn't have to buy a stand. They sent me the wrong stand. They should have sent me one. So Samsung's like, yeah, uh, we don't send them uh, directly, but here's a number. Of, like, it's like J&J TV supply parts. You can call them and say, I said, am I responsible for this? You sent me, it wasn't packaged correctly. Shouldn't you be... Uh, Shouldn't you be your responsibility? And they're like, well, sir, it's up to the person who sold it to you, and that's Tiger Direct. And then the Tiger Direct representative on the full time starts arguing with the Samsung representative about, no, 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 we don't, we only get this from you, we don't offer the parts. And they go back and forth for like a few minutes. And I'm thinking, this is like a nightmare. Because now I have a TV with no stand, it's snapped, and no one wants to take responsibility. So finally, I'm like, okay, Tiger Direct, what are my options here? She said, "Well, we don't have the we don't have the the stand." Okay. Do you have a replacement TV? We do not have a, a replacement we can send you. I'm like, "Okay. What are my options? You can return it." Great. I'm returning another TV. I'm returning two TVs within a week. So, I returned that TV as well. So, now I'm waiting on credit back on two TVs and I have a dispute over a fucking asshole piece of shit who didn't want to do his job to put in a UPS claim for me. All because of refurbished TVs. I'm not saying all are bad. I'm just saying I've had awful luck with them. I bought three TVs within a year. And I have no TV over there. I would never buy a refurbished TV. The Vizio lasted 11 months. It was fine. <laughs> so now I don't have a TV. Now I'm like, I have a psychological sort of like a shield against buying TVs. I haven't had a TV like in two or half weeks now. I'm like looking at that space and I'm like, I'm afraid to buy a TV. I'm like afraid now. So I'm, now I'm, I'm now money in the hole. I'm like $450 in the hole. Could be more if I don't get the credit back for these two. Thank God I kept the, the shipping boxes for both of them just in case. So they come out with bullshit saying it's damaged. I'm saying no, 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 no. Um, so, so yeah, so maybe you should spend the extra three, $400 and buy a, a new TV and get that four-year warranty. It's been the extra 60, 70 bucks and it might be worth it. 
So, uh, <laughs> we like to talk uh, on the podcast about um, bootlegs and uh, blank CDs with things printed on them for expensive games and repro labels. Counterfeits and, are called yeah, in the yeah, biz. Yeah, yeah. Really counterfeit. And uh, people like to try to defend these things, uh, especially like these repro I'm only the one using it. Like it's yeah. just for me. Right. We've been saying this for two years. Well, Luna has had its fair share of... Um, you know, Game Boy Advance and uh, Pokemon bootlegs come into the store. And, uh, you know, they're pretty easy to spot. You know, we usually keep a couple on hand to teach the new employees how to, you know, figure out what's real and what's <laughs> you, not. You have a training guide? <laughs> the, training guide the training guide is me. Um, handing them two games and telling them to pick the real one. Uh, but we haven't seen, at least not in many, many years, um, anyone try to pass off uh, an expensive game of, of worth. Uh, or a game of worth. And we were having... Uh, we, every year we have two sales. We have uh, two buy-two-get-one free sales. Usually one in the spring and uh, one in uh, October, um, which is a slow month right before the holiday season. And... The uh, I was at the uh, the uh, La Mesa location, which is the busiest. And the day that this occurred was the busiest money-making day we've ever had in 13 years. So when we opened, when I say we were packed, we were packed. Fresh panties all around. And guy walks in. I'd seen him before. I've had trouble with him before. He's just kind of. He was always kind of a prick. Walks in. And drops a large box of Nintendo 64 games on the counter. And then a smaller box with a few Nintendo games and a few Super Nintendo games in there. And immediately says, doesn't ask, but says, you're going to tell me what each one of these is worth. And I look around, and, and like the N64 stuff is all sports games. Like, literally all sports games and a couple imports that we, would not, that we wouldn't take in. Because they have domestic releases. Jeremy McGrath Motocross? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was in there. A lot of Maddens. And I looked at him, and I, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I like I did this. I looked around at all the freaking people in the store. And he goes, well, then you can put them in piles. And just uh, piles of, like, what, like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. <clears throat> and I'm like, a lot of these sports games aren't going to get you anything. I said, tell you what, I said, I'm going to give you a credit amount, like a cash amount, a credit amount, and if you need to know what something is worth, you can point to it, and I can give you a rough idea of what I'm, you know, tallying this up. Because we're not talking 10 games here, people. We're talking probably about 150, okay? It's unreasonable to expect me to sit there and itemize a bunch of fucking sports games. So, he's with his buddy. He walks away. He's, I can tell he's saying some snide bullshit. And he's over in the game. Uh, he's over looking at the GameCube stuff. And so... I spend probably six, seven minutes, uh, maybe ten when I should be helping customers, about ten minutes, going through the Sun 64 stuff, talking to customers, uh, separating out a bunch that we're not going to sell, <coughs> we're not going to take. And then I get to the second box, and there's a little Samson and a Flintstones dinosaur peak in there. And the fucking labels looked like they were printed on a Fisher Price My First 10 DPI printer. <laughs> I dot, mean, dot matrix. Yeah, yeah, fucking Daisy, <laughs> Daisy Wheel. But yeah, I mean, they were bad. 
And I looked at him, and I just, I, my. We're bl- talking bad from like five feet away, bad. Like we're not, talking not like you have to analyze and look for like minor color. We're talking. I mean, we're talking pretty fucking bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can analyze the color differences, but I did. There was no need in this in this instance. Um. So, and they didn't say repro label on them. Anywhere. They didn't say reproduction in the bottom no. left. No, no. So, at this point, my blood immediately boils. It boils because you know this guy should know better. Well, yes. So I immediately turn and I look at him, and very quickly this transaction is over to me. I said, you can grab your bootleg crap and get out of here. And he flips, and he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, "Uh, your little Samson and your Dinosaur Peak that you just kind of casually tossed in with your Mega Mans for the Super Nintendo in here. And he's like, well, all you had to do was ask, and I would have explained it to you. And I said, no. I said, that's not how it fucking works. I said, you bring this stuff in, and if you have reproductions or counterfeits or bootlegs or whatever the fuck you want to call them, I say, it is your responsibility to immediately tell me what they are. Because if you do not, that means you're hoping that I fuck up and slip and give you a shitload of credit or money for stuff that is going to be useless to me. Stuff that is counterfeit yes. and illegal. It would be illegal for, it would be it would be illegal for me to sell it. Yes. Um so he flips and This is a roof uh, this is a This is a room full, full of people too. <laughs> and they're all like looking at him though like what I mean the fuck? they yeah they were not on his cuz he like turned and looked to like try to appeal to the crowd <laughs> and it was like what? And like the whole room was like Disapproving no. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. We've got like twenty-five people in there, and they're like, and then these, uh-uh. people, these people know what a little Samson is. They're, yeah, they're well, like, I mean, I mean, some of these people are, and, and, but but I mean, they could hear from me saying that the guy was trying to sell expensive bootlegs. That you know, they knew that he was in the wrong. So he immediately starts panicking and saying things like, "Oh, all you gotta do is ask." Uh, and he starts flipping out, and he's like, "You're gonna pass up all this good stuff? This is a 100." He starts pulling out his Mega Man. He's like, "This is a 125 dollars game, and this is 300, and you've got like 500 dollars worth of games here that now you're not gonna have to sell." And I looked at him. I said, "I don't care." I said, "At this point, in my mind, every single one of these games that you have is as good as worthless." Because I it, said, "I have," mm-hmm. I, I said, "the the the bond of trust here has been completely broken. I do not want." anything of yours which is fair so i you know i i I walk in the back to go to the bathroom and i come out and he's still standing there and i said no really you can go and he's like no really like you're not gonna take any of my stuff i said no i like like i said five minutes ago you can leave i do not want any of your stuff and uh so (laughs) he leaves I, uh, he mentions, and uh, I, I don't want to, br- I don't want to drag him into this any more than he has been. But a very good mutual friend of ours, and uh-huh. you know him too, who uh, is a, a reseller in, in the area that that we're very friendly with and that we work with. Sure. Um, uh, he he brought up his name, so and I'll get to that in a second. So, guy leaves, and I think he wants. Oh, oh, and he says he's going to call the cops on us uh, because he was in once. And he smelled marijuana. And, oh, oh, really? Yeah. And I looked at him, and this isn't going to mean anything to anyone who doesn't live in San Diego. But I looked at him, and I said, 
We're on fucking El Cajon Boulevard. It smells like marijuana all the time. And you, if you, if he calls the cops, you can be like, you're trying to pass off counterfeit merchandise that's nearing a thousand dollars. I did. I've mentioned you're that getting into at least oh, it's close to yeah misdemeanor territory. For that's yeah. not like a slap on the wrist if you try to pawn off stuff that's counterfeit and worth a thousand dollars. And I don't smoke at work because I don't mix business and pleasure. But I have my fucking medical card anyway, so legally. The, the point is that the yeah. cop would come down, look at the guy, then look at. You tell him, hey, this guy's trying to scam me for $1,000. Yeah. If he's going to take anyone in, it's going to be him. Yeah, exactly. The guy's a fucking idiot. So, about three hours later, and this is, I mean, it had to have been them trying to catch me on something because they were just fucking butthurt as all hell. Um, I get a call, and the guy goes, hey, do you guys sell uh, reproduction labels for Nintendo cartridges? I think trying to catch me in some sort of, like, double standard. Oh, yeah, we have them in the back. And I, and, and, and I said... Uh, no? Well, why why, why not? Uh, because people want genuine articles. Okay. Hangs up the phone. So, guy sends us an email. Once again, talking about how we missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. Like, I'm never going to fucking see a Mega Man X3 again. I mean, yeah, they're rare, but I see them like three, four times a year. Um, and said that uh, our mutual friend who resells, uh, you know, could vouch for him. And that, you know, he had been there and uh, he had told them that they were. And he said that our mutual friend who has a complete NES collection uh, thought that uh, he had a repro uh, NWC cart at that point, too. Um, he said that he thought it was uh, oh, the real deal. And he had to point out to our mutual friend that uh, it was actually a, a repro. I'm like, bullshit. So I call him. And he's like, uh, no. Oh, and then the guy says, get this. This is the best part. Um I will not be bringing my business back here. Uh, there was about $500 worth of games in there you could have sold. I had 300 in my pocket. You would have made some money from me that day. Um, I've, I have over 50 consoles, over 30 handhelds, and I've been collecting for six months. Okay. So he is also one of those bandwagoner collectors that we talk about. Like These are the people who are ruining the hobby. They're not helping. No. And, uh, so, yeah, I, 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 so when I spoke to our friend... 50 consoles in six months. Yeah. I, I, whatever. So, I speak to our mutual friend, and he's like, no, he's like, I had, uh, he's like, he came over, um, he's like, uh, about three, four months ago, he said he had just started collecting, and he showed me them, and immediately I told him they were fake, and, uh, he was in disbelief, and I pulled out my legitimate copies of both those games and put them side by Jesus side Christ. and showed so, him that they weren't real. So basically, this fucking moron thought that he, in his first two months of collecting, stumbled upon three holy grails of, of NES game Little collecting. Little Samson, Dinosaur For Peak, and an NWC card. Oh, oh, oh the NWC, was it, the, was it the retro USB one, or was it just a... That I don't know, because it was not in the box that he had brought to... So he Luna. paid a decent amount for all three, got, got screwed over, because he he's, thinks Who he's knows? the man. Yeah. He wants to get his money back. On someone. Yeah. That's that, what and, happened. And, and no, that's exactly what happened. And he did it on a sale day because he knew I would be busy and would so, hope that I wouldn't see them. So he's an asshole. You, 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 call, you call the man on it. He's a dick. Yeah. And, and the easiest way to know that they have devious intentions is when they get overly defensive. Sure. If the guy was like, shit, really? Yeah. Surprised. You know, it would have been. Generally surprised. Yeah. Or, you disappointed. Know, it it might have been. Or like, yeah. I mean, because at that point, if it was legit, he would have been fucking crestfallen. Uh, and he wasn't. So it was obvious that he was just trying to pull one over. And, uh, you know, 
this kind of segues into our next segment. Speaking of bootleg repro counterfeit bullshit games. When you work at a game store, you have to know how to be able to spot bootlegs and bullshit. And uh, I don't want, at this point, no, I do want to sound like I'm, I'm harping on GameStop because uh, this is exactly what I predicted was going to happen. And I'm sure they'll keep trying to push this retro initiative, but it's not working out for them. No, and, and I'll preface this by saying I am getting a couple stories here and there like, whoa, um, I ordered uh, Flintstones, Dino, and Hoppy, and I got uh, Dinosaur Peak instead. I don't care if they're fucking up. For every fifth person like that, the fact of the matter is they're screwing over way more many people with this horse shit. Well, and even if you get if you get a better thing than you expected, they're they're still fucking clueless. And they're still they're still screwing up. It's, it's still, just in it's, your it's, favor. Yeah, it's still incompetent. But ninety nine percent of the time, they're going to screw up not in your favor. That's so, the point. A lot of these have been uh, related to us, you know, secondhand. But I actually have a friend who has been testing the waters with them and ordered a couple of games. And uh, things turned out all right for him the first time. So he figured he would try to get a, a pricier game. Um, Which they've opened up to. When they first started, yeah, they, they did not like, want eh. to. But now they're like, okay, we'll, we'll go for higher-end games. So he decided, he thought the price they had on DuckTales 2, and I don't remember what the price was. He thought the price they had on DuckTales 2 was, was reasonable. So he ordered a DuckTales 2. <laughs> it arrived to him. And the colors look weird. And he looks at it for two seconds, and right in the lower right-hand corner, it says, Reproduction Label. Oh, my fucking God. So, he's like, well, okay, this has got to go back, but he pops it in a Nintendo. Nothing. Doesn't turn on. It doesn't. <laughs> doesn't turn on. Takes it out. Cleans it. Puts back in. Doesn't turn on. Goes, <laughs> okay, fuck, I'm taking this apart. Takes it apart. It's a fucking Time Lord chipset. Even more fucked up, it looked like someone took a screwdriver and dug across the traces that are just above the pins to cut them so that it wouldn't turn on. Theory being, if someone is afraid of something getting traced back to them and they sell a DuckTales, right, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't turn on, period... Well, then that's better than them trading in a uh, them trading in a, a, a worthwhile game and it, it turning on and being something else. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh like at God. that point, so so there's yeah. I mean that that's the story. Okay, so let's go through this again, again for the 80th fucking time. A person brings a clearly counterfeit repro label, expensive two hundred dollar plus game into a GameStop. That, uh, it's, I, is DuckTales 2 that high? I, I don't... Just, I, I, whatever, I, sure. They bring it into GameStop. The front-line employee can't even see the fucking reproduction on it. Yep. They can't even do that. And, they do, and then they say, okay, you brought this in. Here's your whatever, $80 credit or whatever. So then they send it off to the uh, the facility where they take everything apart and clean it meticulously and, and test, test it, it. And somehow don't notice cut traces. <laughs> no, and they don't notice the counterfeit label either. Yeah. They turn it on and see nothing. nothing. They get out their latex gloves, which I'm never, never going to get over. Yeah. They open it up meticulously. They get their pliers out. They get their bit driver. And they see that horror show. And then they realize, hey, this isn't turning on. So then when they put that in, they, this is clearly a DuckTales 2 folder or, or drawer. And then it gets <laughs> shipped out to someone. Or 
Or they wipe their ass with it and throw it in a bin and dig it out when they need to send it out. Because they're not fucking testing or checking a goddamn thing. Holy. Someone sent us a picture of a Conker's Bad Fur Day with a red cart. Yeah, that on Twitter. Exist. <laughs> That's not a thing. That's All-Star Baseball or Jeremy McGrath. <laughs> that the good old Jeremy McGrath Motocross 2000. Whatever Holy it. shit. And then, I, there was a, I, and then there was a... Someone tweeted at me. And again, you can say... If, if you're still in sort of that really weird... First of all, if you're defending GameStop, I don't know why you are unless you're on the fucking board. Or, yeah. What are you, the CFO? Even the employees I know don't defend GameStop. <laughs> it's just a really bizarre fucking... I, I hate to say it. Truth or mentality that you're smarter than everyone else and not seeing that GameStop doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Yes. That's what... That's as, it's as simple as easy as that. So, again, this is someone Ian knows. I've got... This is, we've got many stories. We have a Red Conkers that someone was sent. And then... I get tweeted out a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tournament fighters, real clear as day, reproduction on the label. So it's like it's every fucking week now. And GameStop doesn't care because they're getting your money. Now, of course, you can say, but you well, can return you, you it. You can return it. It doesn't, that, but that's not the fucking point. It the shouldn't point, get to that point. The point is, if the program isn't fucking working, then the program is useless. They are lying, GameStop. They're not being tested. They're not. There's no frontline decision. They're not training their employees to look for repros, as they've said this. They have said they are training employees to look for these. They said that these are being cleaned and tested at a facility that a huge article was written on where they had photo opportunities. They are lying. That is the point. The point is not that you can return it. The point is that this bullshit should not have happened in the first place. They should not have gotten into a market that they clearly were over their heads in. I I said from from minute one, this is going to be fucked. They have no idea what they're doing. Retro, it's too big, too broad, and too nuanced for a corporation like GameStop to even fucking understand. They just can't do it. They've exceeded my expectations of how they'd fuck this up. Now, honestly, uh, yeah. I thought they'd slip <laughs> yeah, through they, here they, and they there. actually have. Uh, but having a Red Conkers, I mean, come, I mean seriously? Is, and, and here's the thing, like, even if, like, and all I can say is I believe all the stories that we're hearing at this point, but even if one or two of these are faked to make GameStop look bad, a lot of them aren't. And now that I have a close personal friend who showed me all the documentation oh. and I've seen it, I mean, it's no. it's right there. I trust that the chrono the chrono trigger that remember we did the random story yeah, so and, then, and then the guy said emails me saying, uh, "I think that was mine from before." Yeah, <laughs> so it's like they don't care. No, they just so I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We'll what still else talk to say. about it because you know what. It, I think it has to be said. Is it clickbaity? Sure, a little bit at this point, but it has to be said. Yeah. This is bullshit. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. So, anyways, it's, <laughs> so there, there's your fuck. There's your GameStop retro fuck ups of the week, 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 week <laughs> of the day, probably. At this yeah, of the day. A a a a. So, th- so a Kickstarter came online about a week and a half ago. We 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 haven't done a, a podcast in three weeks. Um, Dragon's Lair, uh, a movie. Don Bluth, who's done great animation in the past, he did what he did like uh, Anastasia, Anastasia, Fievel, Fievel, uh, fucking Secret of Nim, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Brilliant guy. Uh, he's my he is hands down my favorite animator. So if you don't know what Dragon's Lair is, it was 1983 at the cusp of the video game crash, and it was like the first Laserdisc game, it was the first quick time event game, and a beautiful animation looked like a freaking <laughs> Disney movie or a Don Bluth movie. And it was impossible. Then they came out with a sequel, like, uh, 
eight years later, and in between they had Space, Space Ace, Ace in like the late 80s. And these are all classics. You can play them. They, they sell the Blu-rays, and I have them. I used to have my main cabinet because I, I bought the uh, CD and ripped them from there, and I actually had you can play the latest games on the main cabinet. Got Rest in peace, main cabinet. I'm not sure I'm going to get one again. So Kickstarter came up. Dragon's Lair, the movie. 13 days to go at this point. We're recording this on November 11th. By the time you see this on YouTube, might be less days. They want to raise uh, $550,000. Um, they're at 174000 Probably won't raise it. Nope. Probably not. It's a very strange Kickstarter. And I'm not saying a, uh, not saying a Dragon's Lair movie is a horrible idea on on the surface. I think, I think anyone would be happy to see another Bluth movie because it's been forever. Sure. But there's issues here, though. The first issue is thinking that there's enough people that love Dragon's Lair to raise this money. Yes. We're talking about a game that is now, wow, 32 years old. That, yeah, people love Dragon's Lair. How many? Not enough to raise this amount of money. So the problems with the Kickstarter, it's not exactly the amount asked for. It's the amount that, it's the fact that it's not clearly disclosed what the amount is going towards. It's the, the $550,000 goal if you dig, and you have to dig. It's really deep down. To get this information, like you can't, it's not even on the page anymore, like in, I think in print. The it is, because I, I read it today. It's for a pitch, is what the $550,000 is for. It's for a 10-minute proof-of-concept yeah. short film that they want to get out there, maybe tour around and put in front of executives to get the real budget for a movie, a feature like, say, a 100-minute movie, which would be like $75 million. Yes. That's the problem. I don't think it's clear going into this Kickstarter that that's what this is for. No. And it, it isn't. And this is kind of... Um, well, first, my take on Dragon's Lair. It's so... Yes, it's a game. It's so old. But people like animated movies. If people didn't know the property, I don't think that would necessarily stop people from going to see it. It, could, it would just look like any sort of medieval type of animated movie. So I don't think the property is the issue. I have an issue with how this this money is being used, especially because they say I thought they said they had it budgeted at well yeah they had budgeted at seventy mil. My problem is that this is very very much an example of what is fucking up Kickstarter and Indiegogo, because this is completely ruining the general layman's idea of what things really cost. Mm-hmm. So when something like this has five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, people are like. Oh, then that, that's what an animated movie costs. Now, honestly, they probably shouldn't think that, but there are people well, who are going to. So, and this is traditional animation, too. <laughs> right. There are people who are going to. Um, when Koji Igarashi did uh, Bloodstained, the guy from Castlevania, he was looking for, I think, 500000 right? People are like, oh, that's what it takes to make a game. No, he had four. He had 4.5 mil ready to go towards the game. People are using this too much as a gauge of interest. And what this is doing is it's fucking it up for people who are trying to use crowdfunding in a real way. So, for instance, a quick example. There's a, an RPG, Indivisible, that's being made by the people who made Skullgirls, which is a fighting game. They are asking for a lot of money, and they've clearly listed why and what their budget is. Mm-hmm. People are flipping out because they think they're asking for way too much money. They're not. What they're doing, smartly, is asking for their whole budget so that they don't have to come out 
and be like, we're out of money. Uh, they're using it the real way. I mean, or a lot of games, you never see the game you, you kickstart. Right. So the, you're trying to so, avoid that. But what happens is it's things like this Dragon's Lair Kickstarter where it's just for a 10-minute teaser and not a movie, yet they're kind of obfuscating that. Um, that hurts everyone else's chances at a legitimate Kickstarter because then the real budgets look uh, look overblown to the general I, public. I'm trying to see this information on the page of that it's for this 10-minute proof of concept. Um, all I know is that... They, I, I saw it earlier. There's but... two different, there was two different uh, Kickstarter videos. The second one doesn't say that at all. They had a first one that did. Yes. Now, I'll talk about that right now. Maybe that's what I'm thinking So about. the second one, they, they, they changed out the Kickstarter video. When you go to Kickstarter, usually there's like a pitch video. This isn't even a pitch. It just goes over like Don Bluth's past. Right. With, it's, with, it starts with Secret of Nim and then goes into other movies it, he's done. It, it, it sounds like this is recorded for something totally different. And they yes. stuck it here. Because the first video was an absolute mess. Holy shit. And I don't want to get on the people involved. They mean well. But the first, and it's still up on Don Bluth's YouTube page. Um, if you search for it. The first Kickstarter pitch was like a couple of guys, older gentlemen, talking about, hey, they're like some middle America town. Saying, oh, we love Dragon's Lair. Let's go see Don Bluth. They visit Don Bluth at some theater. weird theater company. Well, that's what he's been doing. Which is fine, but then not really talk about Dragon's Lair at all, or what's going on with this project. It then proceeds in some really bizarre Wizard of Oz <laughs> sequence with actors in full regalia and makeup. You, you gotta see it. I mean, it's just... I, I had to start clicking Don, through because some parts were a little rough. Don, I love you, Don. This is this is not the way to go, buddy. This is not the way to go with the and I'm saying this with my own Kickstarter pitch on the horizon. That's not the way to go. Um, so then at the end of that video, they do at the very tail end say they talk about it that the, this, where the money is that this five hundred fifty thousand uh, is going to a ten minute proof of concept video right to get us to raise it for seventy five million. At the tail end. That shouldn't be at the tail end. But now that video is not even on the Kickstarter page anymore. That's my issue. Probably that. because it was embarrassing. And probably oh, because... It was very embarrassing. Probably because Don Bluth looked unexcited the entire time. It, it almost came off like he wasn't the guy running or wasn't the guy who had the initiative to do it. Yeah, and I can't tell what was acting because I, they were trying to pull him out of his animation retirement. But, like, he just didn't seem like he had any interest so, in fucking doing it. So, $75 million I don't know anything about traditional animation at this point. I do know that traditional animation takes a hell of a lot longer to do than even even assisted hand. Uh, you know, like a lot of times now they, they they start with the hand and then use a computer to fill in sure. the gaps and stuff. So that's a lot of money for an independent uh, animated movie. Like I, I, that's just a lot of money even to get there. Obviously, they couldn't say we want seventy five million for Dragons or we know was going to raise it. But I, even if they hit this goal, I don't see a studio green lighting this. For like the risk for a seventy-five million dollar animated movie there's, that's not Pixar. Sadly, there's a reason why we do not see traditionally animated movies anymore. But they they still come out few and far between. Yeah, you had that Disney few uh, and Disney between. Princess one, Princess and the Frog, like yeah. nine years ago. Right. That could have been one of the last ones, but that that yes. made a lot of money. But I'm just saying, like, there's that they're not. Yeah, they they're, take, they're not in abundance. They take years and yeah. they take a lot of money because you are drawing every freaking frame. We're talking. You know, a million frames. You know, of a movie uh, that's being drawn. Obviously, they look beautiful. You can't sure. match the look of it. And that's what Frank complains. Oh, it's not traditionally animated. I'm like, hey, Frank, do you want to see these movies get made or not? I mean, that's what it comes down to. 
you can try to fudge it and go in between. Um, so it, it's just uh, I don't I don't wish it ill will. It's just not. It doesn't seem right. It's almost it's almost like you'd rather see a, a Kickstarter for a Dragon's Lair three game. You know, actually there was a Dragon's Lair three sometime in the nineties, but I think it was an adventure game. It wasn't like a quick time event. There was a Dragon's Lair three D, which is yeah, it sure. was I believe called uh, was supposed to be the. But what if they raise this money? And then, I mean, how much how much animations in a Dragon's Lair game? Twenty minutes, you know, the original. I think it's like seventeen. So I, that, for whatever reason, that, that sticks be, in my Would that sort of fulfill that sort of itch? I mean, is there really a, a full narrative of Dragon's Lair you want to see? Yeah, I'd really? rather I'd rather just play another Dragon's Lair game. So maybe that's where where I'm looking. And seventy five million, that's just gonna, yeah, no studio would 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 green like that. It make it make like ten million at most. You know, there's just no there's just no interest in it. Plus, it's not even for kids. So you have a traditionally animated movie, not for kids. And the last time that happened was that uh, the one that came out like 2000, that that sci-fi one. Um, Janine Crawford did one of the voices. Oh, shit. I, yeah, I can't remember the name, something but I remember AE, it. whatever. Yeah, I was going to say something AE, too. And that bombed horrifically. And that was the last time they, they attempted that. So, all right. Very strange. Here's some good news. Um, there have been some changes to the way... Um, People can uh, deal with video games that have DRM that is, uh, but that but that the companies are no longer supporting, um, and also some good news for uh, museums that are preserving video games. Uh, so basically, the uh, um, the Electronic Freedom Foundation um, is an organization that tries to preserve digital media, and every three years, uh, you can um, basically look for exemptions to copyright law. Uh, you can basically kind of like petition for exemptions. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to petition to get, uh, you know, a, so basically it's illegal. It was illegal for anyone who had a game to circumvent DRM to play it if the server or whatever authentication process was no longer supported sure. by the company. Now, I'm sure people did it, but yes, it was technically illegal. It was the, the Digital Millennium Copyrights Act. So... This is this was really highlighted when um, EA, uh, I think, uh, stopped supporting about 50 games that had online games that still had active um, user bases, and um, so now because of that, these people are allowed. It's perfectly legal for these cracks essentially to go out into the open and into the wild. Unfortunately, it's still not legal for them to for people to set up new servers for uh, online games. So, say World of Warcraft were to uh, suddenly not be supported by Blizzard, uh, technically it would be illegal for you to um, create a server to allow the game to keep running. However, a lot of people ignore this. For instance, there are servers to play a lot of those EA games, and uh, no one. Uh, EA doesn't care. Essentially, it's it's amazing that EA would be so so nice. Um, but the cooler thing is, um, museums can now jailbreak consoles yep. if it's required to uh, preserve a game or to have a game play that you know for whatever reason uh, would no longer be able to run due to publishers no longer supporting it. Um, this is fantastic news for preservation because it allows these museums to operate within the law and. As we move into a more and more digital future of games, where a lot some games are only yeah. getting digital releases, uh, this guarantees their preservation. And it's not just the multiplayer aspect; it's also the fact that all these games nowadays you have to log in on a server, right? 
to verify that you own the game. So what happens when those servers don't exist? What happens if that game company's not around anymore? You can't get verified. Yeah. Even if a company gets sold to another that has a game, they might say, oh, we don't care. We're not making money off this anymore. Right. And that server goes down. These are huge issues now. And, of course, the good old ESA had a lobby against this. Oh, yeah. like, what the fuck is the ESA? How does this How does this burden you? Some sort of museum somewhere is going to be pirating this software? You really think that's going to be happening? It's a slippery slope. Yeah, well, well, but that's the thing. I mean, the, it is essentially pirating, but it's for the sake of preservation. What is it? What is the ESA's? What is their alternative? Do they even have an alternative to this? No, they don't care. No, of course they wouldn't have an alternative. They're just lobbying for all the big comp- game companies. And it's one of those things where video game. We're not going to get into a video games as art conversation, but they just don't see any worth in it, and they don't understand why it would want to be preserved. It, it's people who are out of fucking touch with modern day reality. The ESA, which is basically the lobby group um, for the big companies, the Electronic Software Association. They probably have the EA coming to them like, we don't make money on this. We can potentially lose money down the line, so just say no. They don't give a shit. No. They don't care about the game you, you bought five years ago you, you can't play next year. They don't care. So it's just selfishness. It's, I mean, it, you couldn't even probably quantify how much money could be lost by letting... even This is just letting like internet archive sites and museums do this. Like, What are you losing? Dollars? <laughs> it's you, it's you know? just weird to me, too, that... I mean, it, it's, it, it makes total sense that um, video game players would want to preserve what they, they love. It's weird to me that these companies that aren't making any money off of it anyway are going to go out of their way to make sure that at some point there's no record of what they've made. I mean, don't they? I mean, it, it's just, it's so it's so obvious then from... That, that to them, this is simply business. There's no passion in it anymore f- from them. They don't care if something that, you know, a team of people poured their man hours into uh, is around in, in, in five, six years. They don't care about the goodwill they can have towards current customers to want to buy future ones. So this is a great example in this uh, article on uh, Vice. Of course, it's Vice. Vice does good stuff nowadays um, about how Mario Kart Wii servers are gone, so you can't play more right. anymore. It sold over 36 million copies. So you now have 36 million people. I'm not saying they all want to play it, but even, let's just say, a few million still want to play this game. Multiplayer, sorry, the game's less than 10 years old, and you can't play it. What yeah. is it, six years old? Seven years old? Yes, or thereabouts. And that is that is a problem that they have to wait three more years for. That's an exemption they can't get. They cannot get legally yet the, the, the ability to create a new server for something like that to be played on. And, and in, as an Oculus is that, it has nothing to do with piracy. It has to do with letting us play the game still. Right. They all own the discs. They all bought the fucking game. They don't own the features anymore that are on the disc. That's It's, it's a, sort of a sad sort of state we're on. Yes. S- speaking of, of uh, just eh, not caring about people's rights, uh, this is coming up recently about how Facebook is uh, not just uh, stealing <laughs> or letting their users steal YouTube videos and post on Facebook for massive, massive views, sometimes going viral, but bragging about how they're getting 8 billion video views a day on Facebook. The issue, though, is that Facebook is not a sort of video upload and viewing site. Now, you always see videos on Facebook. People can Im- You can embed sure. from YouTube, which is fine, because then you're viewing it via YouTube through, through yeah. the embed. But you can also upload videos on Facebook. You could take videos and upload them. There's a feature. Whenever you post it, you can put a video there. 
So I think Facebook sees this as a money-making opportunity. How YouTube has pre-roll and post-roll ads that um, they make money on as well as the content creators. On Facebook, they're seeing a way that they can make money through people watching videos, like on YouTube. The problem, though, is that the videos posted on Facebook aren't being posted by the people creating the videos. Right. I could rip. I could rip one of your videos, put it on YouTube, uh, put it on, uh, put it on Facebook directly, and let's say it got five thousand views. You don't get any of that. Yeah. The problem is at this point is that there's not a full monetization process in place to um, benefit the person uploading it. But I'm sure they're looking into it because at this point videos are going viral on Facebook and the attention's not going back to the person who created that video whether it's a silly uh, kitten does something cute video whether it's something that's well produced and cost you know <laughs> hundreds of hours if not you know a thousand you know the, the point is is that the the attention the spotlight is taking off the content producer onto some random asshole who uploaded on Facebook a lot of times it could be a celebrity doing that uh, taking a video, hey, check this out, this is cool, thinking that, oh, I'm going to get attention for myself and my and my fans are going to f- see it. Yeah, a lot of people will see that video because you're some sort of celebrity on Facebook posting it, but it doesn't matter because that attention is not going back to the person who, who created it. Right. So it's not a good situation. It's going to get even worse, though, if, if Facebook puts in a plan to monetize these videos and have the money go back to the person uploading it, now you're in a really bad situation. Because then, like you said, you can have people taking these videos that may got eh, 100,000 views, 10,000 views on YouTube, and then someone puts it on Facebook, it gets a million views, and guess what? That money's not going back to that person for those views. And then Facebook's making money, and then now you're going to have a war between Google and Facebook, potentially, to shut that down, which will which would happen. No, that that, that is um, that will absolutely happen. Google would not, would not take that lightly, because they obviously see that as a huge loss of revenue. And the, the other problem is that there isn't a good, tidy way right now to say what you will about YouTube and copyright infringement and false claims, but there is a clear process in place for getting videos taken down. Facebook, there's not really one for that. People can post, even people like um, uh, photographers and digital artists have complained that, that their images have been taken, stolen, and posted, and gone viral on Facebook without them knowing. No, accredita- no accreditation. Um, so there's no... Sp- the way to stop there's no clear cut cut way to do that there is a process in place but it's not as clean and simple as the process on youtube which is mostly automated like parts of it so it's not something that is going to affect me personally at this point but it's something i think to watch out for in the future uh there's a great uh video uh on youtube you can watch from uh in a nutshell that goes over this uh how it's 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 starting that, that's obviously not good um, and that can only go up if they're going to put in some sort of weird monetization of other people's work. That'll just keep increasing. So that means you get like some sort of weird like angry video game nerd Facebook page that's unauthorized, and people will start posting, you know, James's videos instead of watching on YouTube, which would be awful. We haven't done this in a while, have we? No, we haven't. Now I'm going to put in the reverb for for you guys, the scumbag seller of. The week! 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 I said I'll put the reverb in later. Yeah, well, you know, reverb that <laughs> reverb. Um, this, this is, is this is a fucking mess of a story. You can start it then. Okay. Sorry. I, <laughs> just, I mean, so... It's not under. Someone Atari in Games Australia <laughs> was, put an Atari up for sale. Put an Atari? 
with five games and twenty six hundred. Uh, yeah. And one of them was a box complete copy of Air Raid. Air Raid, if you didn't know. Is probably the rarest known. It's one of the rarest games. Yeah. Um you can go into Gamma Attack or Red Crossing, but it's the holy grail of Atari twenty six hundred collecting. Correct. And um it, <sighs> It's it's hard to, to to start the story because it's weird. So basically, someone saw it and did a side door. Someone saw this and did a side a side door deal, basically, um, and went over and offered about a uh, five hundred dollars. We we think that's what happened. We're not we sure. think we think. Well, a lot of this seems it's, fabricated. It's, it, yeah. Then another one goes up for sale. Looks a lot like the original with a sticker slightly moved around from the same seller. From the same seller. Um, Air Raid is very unique in the fact that it comes in a, a sky blue shell uh, with a T handle on the top. And the pictures of this one show a T handle on the top. But when you compare it to the original, it's obviously a fabrication. Someone took a blue PVC T joint <laughs> And super glued the fucker to yeah. the top of the cartridge. Yeah. It's painted it blue. Painted it blue and slapped the label on it. Because, oh, by the way, this is courtesy of Atari Age. Um, they seem like uh, a, a good group of people to, to hang out with. I'd, I'd have a beer with them. Um, they pointed out that one of the more hilarious aspects of this cartridge is, uh, you, if you look, you can actually see the paint flaking off on the bottom of, of the cartridge. Yeah. So, anyways... Um, they get into this whole back and forth, uh, the Atari Age forum with this, uh, lady, uh, who says that it was her father-in-law's and she's just trying to sell stuff and, uh, she's not saying, she's not well, claiming her deceased father-in-law, her deceased father-in-law, right. Deceased father-in-law. <laughs> so we're going for the sympathy. Like, look, if someone lost a family member, that's sad, but this is classic scammer 101 sure. right here that we are seeing. I don't know what I have. It's from a deceased person's estate. I can't tell if it's real or not. So tell you what, let's meet in the middle somewhere. So, so this is what probably happened. They run this weird story about like the same events in 2010 where it just happens to be in the picture. It's a rare game that's worth a lot of money. And then they close the auction to gain credibility that, hey... I sold this to someone cheap, and I happen to have another one. Not just a game that there's only, like, three in existence that are boxed, but I got two of them. Um, so it builds some sort of weird credibility. They sell the second one, and then when people start looking at the picture of the cart and realize, Does, are those glue marks? Yeah. Is that two different pieces? Because an air raid cart is one plastic molded piece. And there's no overlap. Like, it, it went, But there's huge overlap Plus, on the... On the uh... As someone pointed out, the box looks like shit. The box looks clearly like like a scan of one that already exists. Because right. there's only a few of them that so, has the same creases on it. I think it's the so. guy who runs Atari Age. It, so there was a picture of his... There's a picture of his box... And you can see creases in the lower uh, left-hand corner of his box. And not only does the counterfeit box look like shit in terms of DPI, but um, oh, you, can, you see. can see where they used the picture 
the previous picture to make the counterfeit box yeah. because there are fake crease marks yeah. in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah, so if you're trying to do a fake air raid, it's pretty tough for the boxes because, like I said, there's like three boxes. So if you do a, an air raid box fake, there's not much to go off of in terms of, of faking it. It's not like trying to fake a, even a stadium events box where you can find a lot more pictures. Like I said, there's only about three boxes. And it's not like this is a... a, a who cares? Because a complete inbox air raid went for like over thirty thousand dollars a few years ago. Yeah, like this game is so incredibly rare that they weren't entirely sure it was called air raid until they discovered the box, and that was only like six years ago. Right, because the you label know, doesn't like that. the label doesn't say the it. Doesn't on say there. It. So what was even weirder was they they actually went back to change the story. Now, of course, they know nothing, right? I mean, they're innocent. They're, they're totally innocent. I got a dead dad well, or something. Well, what we've been told, we what we didn't show in the picture, what we didn't notice before was that it says beta copy on the outside of the box and it says beta copy on the manual. So uh, what we might have here, the reason why the handle might look weird is because we have a, a fucking totally unique thing. You fucking scum fucks. They're not going to put a beta copy of Anything in a production box. For a company that they're not even still clear about where the hell this came from, by no. the way. But, um, but you're not going to print, you're not going to do a full label for a beta. Essentially, a prototype. Yeah. They're not going to do a full label, full packaging. They're not going to put a fucking manual in a beta copy of a game. So yeah. that's also horseshit. So Menavision, which was the people that published <laughs> this, they think there was some sort of, I think, um, you, Atari Age people, correct me in the comments, that I think they thought it was some sort of based out of some subsidiary in California, I believe, but then it came from somewhere else in maybe South America. I think it's a weird story like that they're not even totally positive. Again, it's so like the game was coded somewhere imported, else and then and then they imported okay. it. Um, again, like this is a game that loose goes for thousands, um, and again they didn't discover the real name with the box. They always thought it could be Air Raid. But they didn't find the box until fairly recently. And I think there's only one copy with the, with the manual, too. And by the way, this one has a manual. Of course, it's totally different. You know, so it, the, the whole thing stinks, obviously. The whole thing stinks. This person sucks ass. Um, it, it's funny. They, it, it gets better. I, know. <laughs> I think you're about better. to say the same thing. It gets better. Not only is this slander. Not, not only is this pickup only in Australia. So I guess the person went to the Atari Age forums, the person with the, the alleged uh, air raid multiple carts, and... Rosa. What, Rosa. They, they posted updates on the eBay. Yeah, uh, I know. They, uh, <laughs> going after the administrator of the Atari Age forums, um, saying, just to clear up any discrepancies, this item, the item in question belongs to my late father, capitalized. The advert was written up by my husband, and that's who wrote father-in-law. Uh, then a bunch of other bullshit. Again, belong to my late fa fa father. We're not familiar with this collection and don't know its true value. We put it on eBay, listed it correctly, never mentioned the word authentic, nor, nor are we saying it is. Hands clean. It's fake, but we're not saying it's 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 not fake. You know, this goes back to the, the proto. Shit. This goes back to the bootleg story I told at Luna. It's you, just because you didn't say that doesn't mean that it's it, you it, can't. It, yeah. It, it's it's it's. It's your responsibility. We were in the process of talking to cash converters, which I guess is some sort of business down there, and also obtaining an AFA rating through a software house or a comic shop. I guess they get it authenticated. Yeah, because you're going to authenticate an air raid down in Australia that easily. Yeah. You know. um, we will also try EB Games. Yeah, that'll work. Mm -hmm. EB Games. They're going to know about an air raid cart. Um, 
We feel that we've been wrongly accused of scamming or, or misrepresenting the item. <laughs> we are open for anyone to come and view the item at any time during the day or early evening. Once again, classic scammer uh, behavior. We, when things start to go wrong. We have also notified eBay that members of the Atari Age Forum are trying to shut down our auction. By the way, the grammar is fucking horrific it, in this, by the way. They, they, they space... They space before punctuation and after punctuation. Yeah, so there's like two spaces before the comma and one after. This I could understand and also accept if all the allegations were true. Our advert clearly states its description correctly. This product, as mentioned, was my father's. It's the fourth time they mentioned it. Yes. And how it's advertised is correct. It's an air raid game. Because we don't know of, of it of it origins, it's been advertised as is. So I, all I ask is people to keep their opinions to, them, to themselves. And if you have any questions, please email us. If Atari Age continues with the slander, I'll, I will make sure appropriate action will be taken to have it stopped. And then they said they do. I feel them. that I have been attacked and accused in disrespect to my late father, fifth time mentioned. Any further comments should be refrained. Thank you in one word. And there's more. There's more. So much more. Just a quick note. The, 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 just just it, the cliff notes. All caps. Yeah. The boys in the Atari Age forum all say this is fake. Let's go with that, boys, if that makes you happy. Fake, fake, fake. Everybody, fake, fake, fake. This is the seller. This is in, in, this is the, in the eBay listing. This is in the eBay listing, which I'll link to. It which, keeps going. Perhaps you can all throw a party now. Yippee, yay. And you call me a liar? Oh, just not sure what I actually lied about. Is there something I missed in my listing? Or perhaps you boys can't read. LOL. Well, and here's what's humorous. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but by admitting it's fake right in the eBay listing, isn't that just completely, de- I mean, de- like destroying the terms of service? There's more than the, in big, bold capital. Atari Air Raid. Old reproduction. Old reproduction. Production. Yeah, I'm sure they glued one together in 1986. <laughs> There's more. Uh, in saying that the above about being an overproduction, we do not know for sure at the receiving. It's fucking batshit crazy. No, it's insane. This is absolutely insane. No. I hope they add us to this yeah. auction because this is great. Add me. Um, uh, sue me for slander. And then finally, Albert Yeruso, owner of the Atari Age Forums this afternoon, was reported to the Cyber Crimes Unit of the Australian Federal Police. Quick, Albert, get a tent and head to the woods. His, his website, Atari Age, has been slanderous against our family by purporting that we are fraudsters, despite numerous requests were made for him to cease the thread, but all has failed. We have tried to work with him, but all to no avail. Two spelled wrong. T-O-O. All emails and website links have been forwarded to the AFP for review against him in defamation and bullying, which is a serious <laughs> crime, and carries a prison sentence if convicted. I'm sure the U.S. would yes. extradite right away to Australia. <laughs> this is very serious. You fucking bully trying to keep people from buying fake bullshit. <laughs> it's just insane. I would like to thank Atari Age for uh, giving us two fantastic threads in about two months, because they really have. Just the best work reading I've had in, oh a, in a minute. Uh, I so, want to see this added to this thread. Yeah. Uh, and there's questions and answers too afterwards, but uh, you can, it, this is the best, could be the best uh, scumbag seller ever. Come at me, Rosa. I'm just going to say this, if Rosa's your real name, and if if your dead uh, father-in-law had this, it doesn't fucking matter if your dead cat gave you this game. It's your responsibility to know what you are selling when it's a game that goes for tens of thousands of dollars in this condition that you have to do your research for. And then if people say, hey, this is fake, you don't wash your hands of it. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you wash your hands in Australia, the water goes the other way around the drain. Boom. Um, Yeah. Reoccurring theme in this podcast. Uh, You cannot... You cannot try to pass off something as fake and, and then dangerous. and then be like and then when someone calls you out afterwards be like 
oh, we didn't know, or oh, all you had to do is ask me, or oh, we weren't claiming it was real. You can't do that. You cannot claim ignorance. It doesn't work with the police. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in a court of law. And please, please add us to this eBay listing. It, it would make my day. It would. It would be an uh, honor, Rosa. Yes. So, uh, a follow-up on the Nintendo PlayStation prototype system. Hey, guess what, all you doubters? It's fucking real. Chemtrails. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tower 7. Uh, Anyways, uh, so, we just lost more listeners. Uh, I, I, I want to lose the assholes. I don't care. Yeah, same. I, I don't care. Um, so, in Gadget article, this was being shown off in, in China. I think, was it, was it already happened? Or, Hong the, Kong. It already Hong happened. Kong, yeah. Uh, which is part of China now. Uh, but it, it's been shown off. And they turned it on. Guess what? It's real. Yeah. I don't know why you doubt it, but it's real. We had a good backstory that followed through. They interviewed uh, the guy who worked there and his son who helped discover it, rediscover it. So they turned it on. They x-rayed it. They did, yep. all, they did their proper, you know, they opened it up, make sure. Yeah, they x-rayed fun. it first because they wanted to make sure there was no, like, kill switch in there. To, it would blow up. If, no, to like, to like, to, but to like render it useless because unfortunately it works, which is great. No one I don't I think was ever expecting this to um, work in a fully functioning manner. The fact that it simply exists well, is fantastic. But the cartridge will work, and with the test card in there, it boots up to a, a screen that says it does not detect the CD-ROM. The CD-ROM unfortunately does not work. Well, uh, they think that the, 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 the it is basically like a CD-RAM cart, the same way. Yes. Uh, the, 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 there was a cartridge that was that was found with this that was, uh, you know, a, a Famicom cart, Super Famicom cart, that people speculated, we, we brought it up maybe, that it could be used to access a CD-ROM drive. Because when systems like the Turbo CD, you need the CD uh, to tell the system to access the CD-ROM whether it's uh, extra uh, memory that it can be used, like extra RAM, or just a command to not use that cartridge slot for that. So the, the bad news, though, the cool news is that you see a boot-up screen. Yes. That's the cool news. It has SuperDisk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's the cool news. The bad news is that CD-ROM doesn't work. But still, I mean, it's it, the fact that it turns on, I mean, it's incredibly cool. It's an incredibly cool part of history. I do have to fault the fucking Engadget article for one thing, though, because they say, without a hint of irony or joking, that we'll never get to see if it plays PlayStation games. Of course it's not going to fucking play PlayStation games. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't think it existed PlayStation. The, the, the proper PlayStation didn't exist for a few more years because this was supposed to play... I just That part really that annoyed me. I'm like, I mean, did you really expect that it would play PlayStation games? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it, it's, it's unclear unless someone comes out and says that if anything was actually developed for this prototype... I doubt any CD game. Maybe a demo was made somewhere sure. that worked, but they, they they think that the the data on the disc, excuse me, on the original cartridge, either something happened or was corrupted to even access the CD-ROM. So maybe down the line, someone can look into this and sort of figure this out. Figure out if there's if there's coding missing or get it to even to access the CD-ROM. I wouldn't put my get my hopes up. No, I mean, I think this is as far as it's going to get, and I think it's as far as we need to get. It boots up, it's cool, it's awesome, it's real, it exists. We got the boot-up screen, as simple as it is. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's really all I ever wanted to see. Now, now, the pair pair have um, claimed, and I believe them, that they've turned down offers of 45 grand for this. Clearly turned them down. I guess they don't need the money, because I don't think, I thought maybe 20, 25, but 45, all right. 
Actually, I mean, I honestly don't know that there's. I mean, there's got to be a ceiling somewhere, but I, I'm, I'm surprised that the offers haven't been higher. Really? I mean, this is incredibly unique and one of a kind. Oh, it is one of a kind, unless they find a bunch more. I mean, they say that there might have been 200 made, but I, I mean, just it's the only one that's shown up, and it's a very neat intersection of of, of, of video game history. I, 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 I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if higher offers were to eventually come in. As they say for now, it's it's fine going to some museum somewhere, but obviously they always reserve the right to sell it. Yeah. You, know, you can always loan something to a museum; you don't have to give it to them. Right. Um, so I, I mean, this is it, it's pretty cool, pretty sad. Maybe maybe another one will show up. I don't think it's sad. I mean, they seemed really happy with it, and honestly, oh, no, if it's, they're it's, happy it's not, with it, it's just sad that this is as far as the story goes. We're sure. not gonna we're not gonna find any cool demo. It, the CD-ROM does is not functioning. They don't think they don't. Have, they're not even sure if it's getting power or just that the cartridge can't power. You know, access it to power. I guess on. my thing was is I believed it was real, but I had low expectations of anything anything happening when they powered it on. So yeah, because because it's not like I mean I can't even think of a, of another high end prototype retro system. It's like that that people have. You know the, the 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 original Nintendo one they showed off. That's at it's like what at the is that New York? Um, we actually covered it. There was a there. I think there was a couple of unique uh, Saturn. Oh, there's the ne- there's the Neptune and those. Yeah. Okay, there's those. But I'm talking about like. No, I mean there's that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if higher offers came in. There's I can't think of anything in the video game world that is quite as unique as. This. Yeah, as a system that was close didn't get there. Yeah. You have the Atari Cosmos. Yeah, but I'm not sure. If the, 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 there's a casing. There's a couple of casings. I'm not sure if the one even works though. Supposedly, I think maybe one works, but you know. I was always under the impression it never got past wood mock-up. But I, I obviously could be very. I've wrong seen, there. I've seen one of the mock-ups at, at the, the video game history museum. But yeah, I don't know. Either, either way, this stuff is few and far between at this point. But this is one that never came to light, and um, yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's real! That was a reference to Star Trek Voyager episode. All right, moving on. Um, this made me happy. Very happy, like the happy trees. Mm-hmm. I, I used to watch Bob Ross a little bit as a child. Like, I watched him a lot. He was on, he was on at the right time slot for me to always catch him. And it wasn't something like that I, I guess I didn't truly appreciate at the time. Oh, it's a guy just painting. But if you know who Bob Ross is, Bob Ross is a famous, uh, he, he's deceased, he, he died in 1995, um, cancer, I think it was lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And he was just uh, on PBS Public Access, and he'd paint landscapes, beautiful landscapes, in like a half hour though, like starting from nothing. And he learned, I think he was under tutelage, I think of a German painter, because he, he, was, he was in the Air Force and he was stationed in Germany, and was he was taught this technique to how to quickly paint, mm-hmm. and it's when you watch him paint, and he has a very soothing voice. Oh, it's very, the most relaxing. Oh, very, show. It's, it's very calm. He's like the nicest guy in, in the world. Mm-hmm. When they interviewed him, he said one of the reasons his voice was so calm because he was in the Air Force. He had to yell at people, and he decided after the Air Force never to yell again, basically, which is great. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't even picture him yelling. Um, so he just he he does it so easily and explains things and. He does little dabs with with the brushes and the, the little 
little paint knives and it's it, it, he makes it look so simple and, and and actually what he's doing is simple the movements are very simple right but the the fact that he, it brings it all together is incredible it it's simple it's simple motions and gestures that when you pair them together over a half an hour they they just fit together like a puzzle piece you don't yeah. you, when you watch him paint you don't see it right away you don't necessarily see what he's going for and then it like pops like halfway through yeah. He's like, oh, we're gonna do some mountains. So he he takes a little uh, paint like like knife, spatula, yeah, knife. spatula, and he does this little mark. You're like, what the hell is that? It's not a mountain. Then he starts brushing it down, and then brushing it here, and it's like, that might look like a mountain from a distance. And then you're like, holy shit, it's a mountain. <laughs> and, and then he's like, we're gonna do it. We're gonna just do this like mist. And it's like he does this little. He he puts some paint. And it's like that doesn't look like a mist. And he, then he starts sweeping it up. And you're like, that kind of looks like a mist. Over a mountain. Then he does the same with, with water. He's like, oh, we're going to do some water. And he, he puts some blue down. And it's like, okay, it's water. But then he does a couple little... And then you can see, like, re- like somehow you can see reflections. And, like, he, he, he'll he start, like, melding together from the bottom into the water. It's like, holy shit, that's like the reflection of the trees in the water. And it's like... It, it's, it's something that I've appreciated now when I'm older because I don't have any artistic talent when it comes to drawing. Some people think at all, which is arguable, debatable. But he, he does them so easily and fluidly. So why am I talking about Bob Ross and his great afro hair? Because Twitch decided in honor of his birthday, which happened uh, a little over uh, about a week ago, they decided to air every single one of his episodes on Twitch in a marathon and as, it was, pa- as part of his initiative. Right. Um, because they... Twitch creative initiative. And, what it is, and I think that's great too because Twitch is always supposed to have been for... Video games specifically. As a matter of fact, I believe if you're sh- streaming non-video game content, yeah. they can shut that they your channel down. down. Um, so this opens up Twitch, a, a widely, po- a hugely popular platform for artists, musicians, other things to sh- you know to stream. Um, and I think that's fantastic. So um, they aired all 403 <laughs> episodes. He did this from 83 to like 94, I think. Yeah, or maybe 95. And I watched it for like two hours because it was calming. You can watch them all. There's a Bob Ross YouTube channel you can watch them on too. But the, I guess my faith in the younger generation, now I'm older, the younger Twitch generation, it actually, it, it, it gave me hope because they appreciated it. Oh yeah, they loved it. They loved it. They, Everyone loved that thing. They thought it was the second coming. Yes. You, you know, like. There was, there's fan art. It was so great, like, seeing all the different, like, Bob Ross fan art. There was fan art, you know, in the U.S. There was uh, people sending fan art from Japan, like him all done in a, a manga style. And these are people who did never heard of the guy before this. Yes. That's what's so incredible. These are probably, you know, kids that are, like, 12, 13, 14, 15, yeah. 20-year-olds that are like, who the hell's Bob? These are people that weren't even born when he died, like, before right. he died. Um, they were born after he died. So it was very... Um, Actually, felt good about humanity. No, it was, it was, a, it was a very feel good moment. But it, but they, don't, they didn't show the disconnect between me and the t- Twitch community because they're using all these expressions I never heard of that they probably use with competitive gaming and other things. They kept saying "ruined" in caps, which is probably what they say when they're watching some sort of competitive gaming going on. When he would do like a brush stroke, and they think he ruined the pain, and they would say "saved" when he did, did a cool move, which are probably terms they use when they're watching gaming. They, they were doing GG, which I even old Tom like me knows is good game. When he finished the painting, they go good game. <laughs> let's bring it, you know, let's bring it back around for another. Round. So it, that's, it was that's pretty. It cute. was really strange to to see a combination of sort of Twitch interaction, and it was like a mile. You couldn't keep up with it using all the different emoticons, and they created a Bob Ross emoticon just for that. Nice. 
And then seeing all that against a guy that even when he died would have no idea something like this would be around in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to see a, an appreciation of a, really a new generation for a guy who was a great artist, really, really sound like a great person. Um, really, it, really it, it like, touched me in some sort of weird way that I wasn't really expecting. And I'm just glad that uh, they enjoyed it. And Twitch uh, thought it was a huge success. And now every Monday they're going to run episodes every Monday. That's cool. Um, and another thing about Bob Ross is, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, he does this not only because it, you know, to show you that you can, but like, he wanted people to learn how to paint. My first girlfriend was obsessed with Bob Ross, um, and when we were freshmen, is that why and, you grew the fro out? Uh-huh. <laughs> and she didn't have, uh, she didn't have a whole lot of artistic talent at all, but she had a bunch of Bob Ross books, and she would try to paint along with Bob Ross. And you know what? Her paintings turned out well when she was using, like, Bob Ross techniques. The guy could teach you how to fucking paint. Yeah, he... I mean, it would look... I mean, your, the style would be very samey, but that's not the point. You're doing it for relaxation and for pleasure. You know, I think that's what he really was trying to convey, was that this is a way for you to kind of just chill the fuck out and relax a little bit. Yeah, but they're still good paintings. Though. Oh, yeah. They look... There's one oh, he... I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying, I mean, obviously, if you follow his style, it's going to look the same. No, I mean... I... Let's just put it this way. I couldn't do that. I could probably get close after a long time of practice. I couldn't do it. I don't believe. But, but yeah. I've seen people do it. This is this is interesting. We don't we haven't talked about stadium events in a while. But there's one that came up on eBay. It's a reel. It's out of Illinois. Um, again throwing uh, that the, the myth away that these are only available at Woolworths in New York and Stop it. Just stop it. Wikipedia is not right about state events. <laughs> it was available nationwide. It wasn't test marketed in, in one freaking chain in one area of the country. It doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, state events. Uh, it, it's it's on eBay starting, no, no, no buy it now or best offer, starting at $10,000 uh, for a loose copy of state events, just a card only. Now, it's, what's interesting is the backstory was found recently Um. I think at a toy show. It was like a, yeah, a toy fair. Some sort of toy fair from a dealer, I guess. And this isn't a guy who didn't know what he had. He kind of knew what he had and sold it to this guy. It's, it's on uh, my favorite website, Nintendo Age, where they love me. Um, Can we go back to Atari Age? Yeah, we, uh, yeah. They, they talk, about, <laughs> talk about night and day between <laughs> between communities. And I know even just me saying that might start a whole new thread on Nintendo Age right. at this point. But um, so, so uh, he bought it for only $120. Yeah. NTSC. Uh, state events, which is now worth five, six thousand. The, the seller thought it was. He even told the guy, um, "It's the less rare um, Pell version." And he said, "That's you know, so this is this. That's why this, it's at this price." Uh, I believe he told the guy because I'm trying to remember. I this story was relayed to me, uh, relayed to me a while back. I believe he even told the guy that if he wasn't happy with it, he could bring it back and give him his money back, <laughs> which is funny to think about. <laughs> yeah. But even 120 is a little low for even the Pell version, isn't it? It's it's that's low. It's probably two, three hundred. Okay, so it's just it, it. You know, it's an interesting backstory. I think it's kind of crazy as fuck, though. That I mean, the starting is is ten thousand. I mean, we're shooting yeah. for the moon here, and in 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 this is this is how the price of games just gets thrown so out of fucking whack. Well, let's 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 all let's be fair. I was just at um, Retropalooza in September, mm-hmm. and while I was there, not one but two cartridges of State Events sold, 
in deals. One for six thousand, one for seven thousand. Mm, so okay. the seven thousand one was, if you're grading on one to ten, it was like an eight and a half. It was it was up there. The one uh, six thousand, it was like a five. It was. So people want want this game. They're willing to spend a lot of money. So we could be, I mean, so we could be trending to a point where someone will pay ten thousand for it. Sure, but that's not the good strategy to sell it. No, I'm not, I'm not saying I want to see a statement sold for ten thousand. I think it's absolutely insane, uh, because I always talk about the limited amount of people that are willing to pay that much for statements, and that's a very small group. Maybe it's growing though. Who knows? But I think if you started, you want to see fireworks, start at a dollar. It would have got up to five thousand already. Exactly, you know, and like, that, that's just. That's the weird thing to me. You would think that the person who has this, who's putting it up, would, would maybe have some idea yeah. of how eBay works. Every single time I've ever put something up on eBay with, like, a no starting bid, um, it it gets higher than when I've put a comparably an item of comparable value uh, at, like, say, $10 starting. Sure. Expecting it to get up to maybe 50 uh, I might get 40 for that one, whereas I might get 60 or 70 for the one that I put at at uh, no starting bid or 99 cents. Sure. Um, I think that if you wanted to do 10,000 or best offer, that's something different because then maybe you can get an offer of six, seven. Sure. Okay. But starting at 10,000 means that like you're trying to start some really weird, you're starting, you're trying to say, okay, if it's selling for 6,075, now I want to create this artificial jump up point that, I, and I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't, I just don't see it. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. I don't think that yeah. that's, that's possible. I mean, in the in the realm of collectors, people will spend a lot of money and they'll burn it quick. But a jump from three thousand, and that's for people that had to have it. Like, yeah, is the person spending seven thousand? They're spending that money because that's like I have to have it. I it, it, they probably would have spent eight because you know what I mean. They're not even negotiating. Yeah, so I'm saying there's going to be a draw of people that are willing to do that. Mm. I always tell you how much I spend for same events, and even though the price has gone way up. The amount of my head has not really gone up how much I spend on it. The same thing with the Panesian cards. I have a ceiling in my head, and it's not gone up for how much money you're trying to tell me it's worth. No. I just don't see it. it I, for me the, and for me, well, I don't even collect for Nintendo really anymore. But, I mean, the ceiling in my head is still the 1999-2000 uh, well, uh, yes. ceiling. You're, and, I mean, I just, You're on the it. $3 NES ceiling. <laughs> you know. No, I'm on, I'm on, like, a five to 600 for stadium events and, like, a 100 for pa- oh, 100 to 150 for Pan-Asian. Pan-Asian, I think I'm still at, like, $400 uh, card only. Which actually, I could have got one for that much even only last year because there were some shenanigans with a bunch of eBay auctions. I remember. Remember there was like there was yep. like three on eBay every week for like three months. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is why I don't trust the market for some stuff. Now, obviously, stay events. There's a there's a lot less of those than the Panesia games. But not knowing the quantity out there, always you should be a little bit hesitant not to just be impulsive. Sure. Yeah, if you if you know there's a limited number, that's something different. You never know when something's going to happen. And I hate to bring it up. But you never know when something's going to happen, like the Caltron situation, where they find a shitload of them, they, they and suddenly of, the, the, the value plummets. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen with state events, but if it happens with the Caltron 6-1 and one and the value plummets, there you go. Now, um, <coughs> so I always also maintain that a lot of the reason why the price on some of these go up, state events I'm not positive about, since I know a guy who just spent a lot on one and wants for his collection, is that you get in some sort of weird sort of... Well, if I bought it for eight thousand, maybe someone will buy it for ten. I just gained two thousand dollars. Yeah, you get into the weird. Who's the who? Where? Who's the bigger idiot? You know what I mean? Where does it get to the point where it's insane and you can't flip it for more money anymore? Because there's always a point with stuff like that. There always is. 
Same events is not Detective Comics 27. Right. It isn't. At some point, you're going to run at people and be like, um, I no, I don't want to spend that much money on a shitty power pad game. Yeah. That Nintendo, you know, that I can get for a dollar. <laughs> for a dollar. Not trying to hate. I'm actually not trying to hate on state events because usually me and Ian hate it on more than we we are right now. So, so I, I just don't think it's a strange. I just think it's a strange strategy for listing this, and that that's all. I just think he should have started at half that auction, and you might have gotten someone to bite or or best offer uh, on that. It'll puppy. be interesting to see where it goes. So, this is just fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> it, 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 all right. So, Street Fighter Five is. You know, on its way. It's been in beta. People have been playing it online. Um, our Mika, Rainbow Mika, is uh, finally back in the game. Um, she had a move in the beta, uh, her critical art, which is like a super, where uh, as she goes to, I believe, initiate the move, um, she would slap her ass. And it's a fairly bare ass. She's in a wrestle, a luchador she's r- wrestling in outfit. Chaps. Yeah, she's in a luchador wrestling outfit with with no with with no ass. Um, in the latest build of it, it's been altered so that you don't see her slap her ass. The camera has been panned up, panned up a bit. Um, there is outrage because <laughs> I think it's funny that the same people who bitch about outrage culture uh, get. Almost more outraged. Um, there is outrage over the perceived censorship of this move. Guys, can we fucking learn the words, uh, the meaning of the word censorship, please? This isn't censorship. This is Capcom making a game in beta, making changes to the game. Why did they do it? I mean, no. I mean, did, yep. was it was it clipping? Did they just decide that it didn't fit them? Capcom's allowed to do what they want with their fucking property. They also changed, I guess, this team move with. Uh, her muscle buster is what it looks. Uh, so, or is it, yeah, so, it looks so like they changed. I don't know anything about Nadashiko. Is that her partner? Um, and then there's a move with a guy where they do this buster move where his legs are split apart. So they change it. But they change it where the, the legs aren't totally split apart. Even in the thread anymore. that I was reading, it was suggested that that happened not because it was deemed too I don't know what fucking sexual or whatever, but because there was clipping issues. It's a game in beta, like. And I, I just I can't stress that enough to the people who are I, fucking outraged. I, I guess there's also allegations that they're removing some crotch shots of camera panning. There's one with uh, Cammy. Yeah, Cammy, Cammy's uh, intro it was uh, changed and shown at a different angle. I, uh, if if you're if the thing you're most concerned about in your fucking fighting game is whether or not you can see an ass or a crotch for two seconds. Uh, you really need to fucking reconsider some, your priorities. Well, some people think it's a localization <laughs> issue. They think maybe in Japan that it'll maintain, but it'll change it for the U.S. I doubt that. Well, I... Some companies do self-censor. There are Vita games that have come out that have been censored. It's not, self, it's not censorship, though. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they're Self-altering. Been, that have been altered By the way, changed. it's a good ass slap. I'm looking at it. it. It jiggles like a perfect amount. It's very lifelike to jiggle for a toned ass, by the way. So, it... it, it, it 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 does bother me yeah. when when a game is changed drastically or drastically or even from from its Japanese version to its U.S. version because I feel like you should just get the game. But if this is something that's not going to be changed, if this is going to be if this is just a worldwide change, why do you fucking care? I just think it's silly once you go all the way where I have a a wrestler who looks ridiculous with an assless chaps who's completely over the top 
that it actually has a really funny ass slap. To me, it's more funny, and it's of course it's sexual. Once you have that, why pull back and get rid of it? That's only my argument. It's so fitting if this character is that ridiculous and over the top, and what it looks like. Why get rid of it? That's what I'm going to say. Go for, if you're going to sure. go if you're going to go in the overly sexual, over the top, weird direction of this character. Go f- embrace it. I have no problem with the ass slap. You could have left that. I mean, I'm that, I'm not bitching about that. I, I I have no, no. issues with it. I just have issues with people getting that worked out oh, sure. over a game in yeah. beta. It's not censorship. They haven't. The game's not done. Yeah, maybe it'll be D- with Capcom. Hell, it could be DLC for all we know. Yeah, sure. Put the ass slap in. I, I just think uh, I, I, to me, yeah, I, to me, I'm I'm trying to. I think people aren't upset that they think people are censoring because it's sexual. I I would hope people are upset about it because to me it doesn't make any sense to take it out, being that the character's so over the top. It's not like Chun Li is doing this. You know, Chun Li and Chun Li obviously ass is popping out of her skirt every Street Fighter anyway. But it's not like Chun Li is doing this. That character, her sexuality isn't what the character is mainly about. Even though obviously she's hot for the cartoon fighter character. But for this character, it's fucking ridiculous how she looks and acts that it'd be natural for that character. Um, sure, I just don't think it, like I said, I just don't, I don't care the way, it's just stupid to fucking get worked up over it. It is, it is, it is especially when it's a fighting game, first and foremost, yeah. that never really focused on that. But again, you always had Cammy ass hanging out every single Street Fighter going back to Super Street Fighter. Oh, and we haven't yeah, seen the full too. game yet. Who knows how much of that fan service cheesecake shit is still going to be in there, but I really don't think the the removal... It's not even a removal. I really don't think the changing of, of how the ass slap is shown uh, is going to have any effect on how the fucking game plays. No, no, it's, it's not. It's not. I just think that the only thing... Again, again, I hope it's not some sort of censorship because of sexuality, because this goes back to at least U.S. culture, which is fucked up, where... Oh, a, a game where people are beating oh, yeah. the shit out of each other and killing each other is okay, but we can't have a girl slapping her own ass already hanging out. And it's like, what are we, fucking Puritans? That's what always... That goes back to, you know, uh, movies that even nowadays where, you know, PG-13 movies, people get shot in the head, but you can't show any any tits or ass. Right. No, I, I, like, I, I absolutely agree it's with like how, that. What are we teaching it's, it's, people? It's, it's ass it, backwards. No it's pun ass. Intended. Slap jiggle backwards. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Screw Attack announced that they are going to be rolled up into the Rooster Teeth website and shutting down in the new year. Um, it's not its not shocking to me just because Rooster Teeth is owned by Fullscreen and Fullscreen bought uh, Screw Attack already like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, it was before SGC of last year, I remember. Uh, so we're talking like, I think it was like May of 2014. So it ended an era of a at a once-time very influential site that had... Um, it was like your one-stop entertainment hub, which I've, are disappearing slowly but surely because now everyone just goes to YouTube. But at one point, you had... Um, it was a site to go to to watch uh, AVGN videos, to watch Brennel Floss would be on there. You had Keith Apicary when he was doing those, when Nathan was doing those videos. I, I, had, I had some uh, videos posted. I was like a semi-feature for a while on Screw Attack. I helped uh, beta test one of the website versions back in like 2010 when it relaunched. So we're talking about a website that's been around since like 2006. Uh, Craig started it with uh, Tom. They had their public split. That was not pretty, but ScrewTech still persisted. Uh, since then, it's been around. They do SGC with ScrewTech Gaming Convention. So the, the fact of the matter, though, is that, you know, ScrewTech will still exist on uh, on YouTube. Um, 
They don't do um, they don't do their hard news show anymore that Destin pioneered uh, way back. Wow, already like six seven years ago. Destin uh, was the guy that basically founded the idea of doing a daily news video game show. Mm-hmm. He was the guy first doing that, and now everyone's doing that. Usually with a cute pretty girl on GameStop, uh, excuse me, GameSpot or IG, IGN or any other ones where they do, they run down the news in a few minutes, almost like a quick sort of, hey, here's the news of the day. So they stopped doing it, though. They stopped doing that hard news. I think they stopped doing it like a, earlier this year or last year. They stopped doing that. I don't think they do the, um, I'm not sure they do the podcast anymore. Um, they did just do a weekly podcast forever. Um, but now their big thing with Screw Attack is that um, they do Death Battle which are animated what-ifs between uh, people fighting each other. Usually it's like, you know, what if Harry Potter fought Luke Skywalker? They would analyze it with a couple of jokey characters going over the strength and weaknesses. Then you see like a five-minute or a few-minute battle at the end, which are usually well done. And that's what they get there. You know, a lot of their hits on... on um, they get millions and millions of views like Goku versus Superman. Huge, epic battle. Uh, some of them are done like in 3D animation, looking really cool. And so ScrewTag's going to live on via those shows... But unfortunately, having that website, I guess the full screen doesn't make sense anymore. It's sort of redundant. So right. they're rolling it up with Rooster Teeth. Um, they're both also, uh, Screw Attack and Rooster Teeth, they're both headquartered in Texas, so they're not too far from each other. So maybe that's why, too. But, um, yeah, it's just a sort of the end of an era. Not good or, Whether you think of Screw Attack is good or bad, whether you go to more, it's just it's one of those websites that's been around um, for, wow, it's been around for like nine years. Um, so I think I think that the switchover is going to happen near the, near the 10th anniversary, which is uh, early next year. Anything to add to that? I no, I've, I've I don't think I've ever been to the website once. I just know it had a really really active uh, message board community. Oh, the G ones is most famous for the G one community. Yeah, uh, that's what I know it for. Um, which is what helped float the SGC uh, convention, ScrewTech Gaming Convention. Um, yeah, but, so Death Battle is still ongoing. Hard news is I don't think it's not around anymore. Um, is Side Scrollers the podcast? Is that still around? Did that make, oh, they brought. Oh, they 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 stopped it and brought it back. That's what they did with Side Scrollers. So that's still around. But Hard News is no longer around. I don't think it made sense for them to, to produce a daily show anymore at that point because everyone else is doing it. You know, it's like sure. As these bigger Side Scrollers, Screw Attack was 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 more of the medium sized uh, website, not huge. Then you just lose market share. Basically, is what happens when that happens. So, farewell, Screw Attack. I was involved with you a little bit, so it kind of, you know. Oh, SG, uh, the Screw Attack Gaming Convention is still supposedly going to be around. I'll just say, um, full screen, though, is pretty much running the show. With that, it's pretty clear just because there were people conspicuous in their absence from the, the last SGC. I'm not going to get into more details than that, but, uh, yeah. Uh, people were not asked there. Full screen's uh, running that. Speaking of... Uh, the shutting down of YouTube or internet goodness. This one, this one's a this little one's sad to me. This one's sad for a couple of reasons, but uh, Mark Bustler, who's done Classic Game Room forever on it's YouTube, one of the only YouTube shows I actually watched with fair regular or regularity. So, a Classic Game Room really started out. Uh, Mark had a partner in the '90s. They even used to record them talking about old video games. Right. Like, almost like a podcast format. They both had microphones. And um, his partner went on to work, you know, regular corporate job. But Mark brought it back on YouTube as Classic Game Room, one of the original sort of retro game shows. 
and he left YouTube for a while uh, back in late 2013 uh, because of the whole controversy with the copyright things. He's trying to start his own site and get it going on, on the site. And then he realized, I think, that YouTube was the way to go and went back to YouTube, I think, within probably six months or so. Um, but he did a daily... This this was what was good about Classic Game Room. Um, it was a video every day, for the most part. So he, yeah. he got that formula right that, let's do a video every day of a review of a game. Now, you can get into the fact that, well, the, were the reviews totally reviews in the sense of that of the word of being what you consider a game review? Yes and no. Um, a lot of times what he'd do, and he had to do this to get these videos out, would just run gameplay footage record it with, you know, for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, and then talk over it and do his talking review over it, with some cups, but not as much cuts in a review as you'd like. But if you're doing a video every day, there's no other way to get him out. So that's that's how Mark built a huge audience. We're talking like 400,000 people. But there was a really nice... The, the nice side of that was that everything he did was kind of... I don't know how to put it. Cozy? It was conversational? Re- like, yeah. It, it, because, it, because those lacked... Those daily ones really kind of lacked a certain sheen. Um, it almost felt like you were talking to him about the game, even though there was obviously no discourse going on. Uh, it was and, conversational. It was reverential for the most part with yep. the games. And it, he was he, it was, knowledgeable. he was a very relatable kind of every guy, but he knew his stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't had much interaction with Mark outside of uh, video game years, emails, when he used to uh, shoot for it. In the, I think it was 80, early 80s. 80, 81, 82, maybe 83, then he stopped. Unfortunately, usually when people stop filming video game years, it's their decision. They, they don't have time for it or just don't return emails anymore. Right. That's what it comes down <laughs> to. I hate to say it. Um, uh, so I think, though, he s- saw the writing on the wall uh, with, with YouTube in terms of, well, this is what Mark tried to do. Mark tried to create a mini empire on YouTube. He has he branched out into multiple channels. With Undertow. Undertow, which was other people doing reviews under the banner, basically the branding of Classic Game Room. I think he had a pinball channel. Yes, he did. A toy channel. And one other. There was like four or five channels off the top of my head. But those they weren't really updated. I don't think they got views. Um, so I, he went back to focusing on his main channel, which was the proper thing. And I think it's just a sad tale of there not being a growing retro market to the extent to prop up something like that. Um, and that goes for me and anyone else, is that the retro game market, while if you're in it, you think it's big, it's not big compared to the rest of the gaming community. So if you're looking to strike it rich and hit it big on YouTube, going into retro game content is not the way to go. Case in point, video game years, where it should be a show that everyone loves uh, due to production values, and, you know, a lot of Everyone who watches it. it does love it, but it doesn't get views. It doesn't get views because there's no market for it. People don't care about learning about games that came out in 1984. Well, and that's what that would be my point here is I, I while I while Mark's content was fantastic, it 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 skewed to an older audience, I think. Um, like I said, the conversational aspect of it, the uh, constant presence of uh, of a of a beer, um, the uh, the fact that he generally covered uh, not only retro stuff, but a lot of times, like he would even cover like obscure retro, like obscure arcade games. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing is that I do think there's a big retro market, but it's now a young. Whether you agree with me or not, it, what I'm getting at is it, it's a younger market, and that has been taken over by newer, flashier shows. Okay, okay that makes sense. So the retro market now is GameCube. For example, it's stuff that's ten years old, twelve years old. Sure, it's not thirty years old. Right, 
Right. So guys like JonTron are going over at N64 and GameCube games are tapping into that 10, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old market. And the more retro stuff like Super, regular Nintendo, Genesis, it's more popular games that are getting covered that the younger kids are 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 are, are watching because um because it's what they know. Okay. It, you know they're the flagship okay. titles. So I'll change it to the classic game market where we're talking well, like in the title, the Mid truly classic game room. That's, yes. there's a, that's a niche market. Yes. That's an extremely niche market. Um, yeah, so he's not shutting down it entirely, but he's this isn't going to be his job anymore. He's no. going to go do a whatever corporate gig or whatever other gig, and he'll probably still put these out, but not every day. I've always wanted one of his beer mugs, and he said that once they're gone, they're gone, so I should probably order one of those. Get, get a beer mug. I would like to get a beer mug. I wish uh, Mark came out to... He's, he usually doesn't come out to any shows that I know of. He should come out to... Uh, I don't think he... I'm, I've, I'm, I've never been at a, at a show. Like if he, I think he's in Pennsylvania. He should come out to Too Many Games next year. That would be cool, at least to meet the guy. I mean... I no, he is him. he is one of the 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 guys on YouTube, YouTube who, I, like I said, I really enjoyed. He's one of the uh, stalwart. I would, I would actually like to meet one of the stalwart foundations of, yep. of the retro gaming community on YouTube. So I, I wish Mark best of luck in uh, whatever he's doing, and hopefully he still does his videos every now and then. And maybe he'll come back for video game years, uh, nineteen ninety eight. Once again, we're both seventy. We years just old. <laughs> we're both seventy, but like we said, that's not really his his area, you know. And I, I think that's why he's done. I'll still remember um, one of his best contributions uh, to video game years uh, was the centipede segment. He's got the booming voice, and he goes, well, "I'm gonna go play the cabinet right there." And he waves yeah. goodbye. Remember that? <laughs> then yeah. it cuts to then it cuts to Eric dancing to the centipede. Yeah. <laughs> wow, those those were rough. Those early video game years episodes. Where were we at? MST three K. Yeah. MST three K Kickstarter. Um, kind of surprised to see this happen. Yes. So, if you're not familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000, it was a show that was on from 88 to 97 or 8, something like that. Went from uh, Comedy Central for the first six years, seven years, then three years on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, it's uh, Joel, then Mike, and two robots, Crow T-Robot and Tom Servo, who riff at on bad movies. It was sort of the one of the first to really do something like that. Then after the show ended, it split into two teams, split into riff tracks, which I've seen live, which is uh, Kevin Murphy, uh, who, was, who was the second Tom Servo, Mike Nelson, who was the second guy, who was in the janitorial suit, and then you had uh, Corbett, Tom Corbett? Bill Corbett, who was the second crow, and they riff on movies, you download the MP3s, they do live shows, it's all good fun, and then the other parts uh, uh, went to Joel, and then, uh, went, and then Trace uh, uh, Bulo, who was the original crow, went to Cinematic Titanic, with Josh Weinstein, who was also the first Tom Servo. I think I got that right, and I did. Okay, so there was two competing, not competing, but two existing, but Rift Track's been more popular. Sure. So the problem with the Science Theater 2000 is that the rights were always owned by, I believe, Jim Mallon, who was Gypsy, the original Gypsy. And he owned the rights to that, and I guess wasn't doing anything with it uh, forever. And maybe they saw money opportunity. The show's been gone for almost 20 years. So Joel Hodgson, who was uh, the creator of the show originally way back when it was on Minnesota Public uh, cable access, which I I think some of those shows exist. You can watch them. They're, they're I would, really I would love to. Teach. I th- they might be on YouTube. I, I think I, I, I don't think I've ever I think seen they any of that. Mo- I think m- most of them were saved. Mm-hmm. Someone taped them, but there's a few that were lost. But you can watch those. And uh, Joel Joel was a comedian. People don't realize it. he used to be. On, I think he used to be on skits of Saturday Night Live. 
in the early mid eighties, he'd show up and do like a sketch. Oh, I'm Joel. And here's my, uh, here's my inventions and brought that onto the show. Anyway, Kickstarter has come about. They want to restart Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, and Joel's pitching it and they have a goal. And in theory, I'm on board with this. Um, I think it'd be a great idea because even though riff tracks is fun, it's fun to see riffs. You lose something to me. There's something more special about having the puppet characters there and seeing them. It, it just it just brings it to an extra level. I guess a less cynical level where it seems more open and fun. Yeah. Having the puppets. That's what I always liked about Mr. Science Theater 3000. I, I like to veer away from the mean-spirited side of the riffing versus the laughing with the... I know there's a fine line between laughing with the people that created the film versus laughing at them, but I always like sort of being inside that the world and being a part of the world and laughing at it versus being derisive. And by having some of the more snarky things said largely by the, the, the robots, uh, the robot puppets, um, you know, it, it like you said, correct, it, 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 it softens the blow a little bit. I... My thing with MST3K coming back is... Um, and by the way, it's a two million goal to do three episodes. Five point five million gets a full season of of ten is out it? of twelve, and they're going to hit it because they're at one point three million now. And it's thirty only, days to go, and they have twenty. It's only been around for like a day, so they're going to hit it. Um, yeah. Anyways, I I always have. I'm always severely. Uh, oh God, I'm so tired. <laughs> Get I'm, I'm always skeptical when 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 shows come back. Because it doesn't always seem to work. Like when they brought Futurama back, I you didn't I, like him. I didn't. I didn't. Did like it, do, did it, it do it justice? It I, was the same cast, though. Yeah, I know, and and that's the thing. Like we're looking at you know the important people in place, but all the right pieces in place do not always equal quality or or quality of the same level. Well, um, and I do worry that the humor is going to be. It, Joel's Joel's older. You know, I I don't I. I how do I say this? Dad humor? Like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid well, that, that, like it, it's going to. But the Rift Tracks guys are in their fifties too. They're in their, their mid. Okay, to I late mean 50s. That, that's fair. And they're doing. They're, I think if you're a good comedian, good writer, you can. Your age doesn't matter as much. Look at Larry David; he's still hysterical, and he's got to be seventy by now. You know, I, I think what the problem here is that while Joel said that they they're open and inviting the former cast members back. Is that a one-sided invitation? Has it been talked about with the guys Rift Tracks to come back? Right. Because, obviously, if Joel's a guy starring in this, which you assume, that doesn't leave a place for Mike. Because it's only Joel or Mike. And they have and they have very different styles. Oh, I always yeah. prefer Joel, because Joel was more amiable, more, was laid, more, more laid back, and a little less mean-spirited. Mike's funny, too, but there's a different style. There's always different style to, I'd say, that second team, to the second crow. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the, the team of second, second crow, second main guy and, and, and second uh, Tom Servo versus the original crew. Uh, the, fir- the, f- the first crew, first first main guy, and well, the second, because Josh Weinstein only did Servo for one season. Um, it's a different style. And I'm not sure if the Rift Tracks guys would want to be a part of this. I just, maybe there's egos involved, you never know. Sure. I mean, Joel, Joel uh, left the show because he got burnt out after the fifth season, in the middle of the fifth season, he didn't even survive it, which is one of the best episodes ever, by the way. Mitchell Watch it if you can find the DVD. I think it's actually on Rift Tracks. Actually, yeah, Rift Tracks is now offering some MC3K episodes. Maybe there is a deal going on. Who knows? But I think it, it will be the same. No. I think I think they might end up recasting 
Crow and Tom Servo. I don't know. I don't know if Trace uh, Bolo wants to come back. I don't know know if Bill Corbett wants to come back as Crow. I don't know. I think it's up in the air, but it's going to get made. Oh, it's going to. And I mean, I'm happy for fans. I just, I, I, I worry that after such a long break that people could potentially be let down. But yeah, you know, this you, is a happy thing for a lot of people. So I, I'm not yeah, going to shit on there's it. There's obviously a huge audience. Yeah, for this. I, I mean, I can't shit on it, and I'll probably I'd even watch it. I just and, I have my concerns. You might, again, you might balk at the at the amount, but we're talking filming a whole season. We're talking even, even what is it? Five episodes minimum. They got to rebuild the sets, probably. You know, you got to take for five episodes. You're still probably talking three months of lead time. Three episodes starts at three episodes. Starts at three. Starts at three, and then with every million plus one point it gets another I think three until you get to 12 at 5.5 and they're going to stop yeah what if they do more then well what they said was they. what he said is he wants to get to if, if they get to 12 it'll be much easier to to shop it to shop it to networks because they'll see an audience and plus they're already they're already going to have everything built yes the set's built and then again, okay. To be fair, it's not like the sets cost a huge amount. No, <laughs> and the robots, no. the robots are already made. You know, so it yeah. doesn't cost him. But a lot of these rights is people forget they have to get the unless it's unless it's in the public domain, they have to buy for the rights to. Uh, it's really weird when, when it comes to movie rights. It costs money to reshow stuff, but then to it's mechanical rights like with, with songs to edit and fuck around with movies, which is what they do with ripping. There's also a fee with that, so that's. A lot of the cost goes into probably licensing this stuff uh, out with that. So we'll see what happens. And so when is this going to be uh, delivered and finished? Uh, a year from now, November 2016. Okay. So next year, gobble, gobble. We're watching MSC3K, hopefully, with Joel. And then we'll see if uh, the former cast members, what their involvement is. I'm very curious. I looked on Twitter originally, and I did not see any comment from all, all three of the Rift Tracks guys in regards to this. So maybe... Maybe. Well, this is relatively new. I mean, but you think that maybe they'd say, "Hey, support it," but maybe it's a wait and see. Maybe they don't want to publicly support it until it gets funded. You know what I mean, like maybe who knows? So the Warcraft movie trailer has come out, and I don't know anything about Warcraft. Um, I mean, I played part two for a little bit because every fucking person did who owned a computer. Uh, but I have no knowledge of the the MMO. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I, if there if if there's a video game movie that could probably be done, I think it's something like Warcraft. Now I don't know from watching the trailer if they're pulling from actual characters within the universe. Yes, they are. Okay. Well, when you've got something is I don't want to say generic, it kind of is, but is 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 broad as fantasy medieval. It's probably a lot easier to write a story for that and turn it into something filmable than it is to adapt something like, say, Silent Hill. Or Double Dragon. In theory, I would say yes. Okay. But it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm coming from an outsider. I won't go see it, You're... but I watched the trailer and I didn't think it looked awful. This is interesting because I'm not a hardcore fan, but I know the basic, basic story. I had Warcraft 1 and 2, and they had stories. They had well-written stories leading into it. Yeah, I do vaguely remember a story. So, this is based on the first Warcraft game. Okay. So, the first Warcraft game, um, they had, um, uh, of course, guys, bear with me. This is 20 years of me remembering this stuff. I recognize some of the names like Warhammer as one of the main uh, uh, orcs. So, what happens is, somehow they have, like, orc necromancers open up a portal to to Earth, they come through. They fight off. 
they fight the humans. And they fight back the humans and almost defeat them. That's the story of the first game. They fight them to the brink. The second game is the most famous one, which is a fucking awesome game. The first one's good, too, but the second one's The Tides of Darkness. It's the only RTS I ever played in, like, for an extended period first of time. time. First time I played an uh, online game, and my name was Buff Peon, by the way. I always played the orcs. So the second game was The Alliance. The humans are getting their ass kicked. They team up with the elves and dwarves right. to fight them back, and fight them back, basically back to the portal. And then they had the expansion pack, which I had, but sucked at. And then they, it's the humans trying to fight the orcs inside the orc homeworld through the portal. That's the basic story, and I have no idea what happens with Warcraft 3, and I have no idea what happens with World of Warcraft, how that plays in. But all I know is that this looks like this is based upon the first movie, because I did not see elves, and I did not see dwarves. No. Okay. Here's the problem. I'm a guy who should be interested in this. I'm not. Um, I think when you're putting together a movie like this, you, to the general public, I think you have to sell a main character and gets you to rally behind and say, that's someone I identify with or rally behind. He's sort of my uh, every man in this world to introduce me to this world. When the Lord of the Rings came out, and people were very skeptical about that movie when that came out. Remember, going back before the first Lord of the Rings came out in 2001, people were like, we haven't done this before. We haven't done elves and dwarves right. and orcs on the big screen like this. That would have put New Line Cinema at a business well under if that movie failed, which it did go out of business eventually, like seven years later somehow. But it was very touchy. But what did they do? Uh, obviously, this is built in the story. And with The Hobbit, there was a character to center around to introduce the, the world to through... Um, uh, through Frodo. Right. Through Frodo, you are introduced to the Shire, Gandalf, the elves, you're on a journey. It's more relatable. Uh, with The Hobbit, the same thing. Bilbo, you're introduced to the dwarves, the journey. It just gives you some sort of comfort to get behind. I watch a trailer like this, I see the whole Zero world... Zero central character. The whole world's thrown together at you. You have three different orcs that all look, to me, the same. Sorry, I know they're different. And you have a few human knights. One's a king. I don't fucking care about these characters. I just don't. And I'm a guy who bought these games and played them when they came out. Right. I bought Warcraft, Warcraft 1 and beat it. I bought Warcraft 2 and beat it. I remember the story. And I, I'm just not interested at this point. People are going to get on me. I, I'm just saying me personally. I don't have an interest. In terms of the trailer just being cut awfully, it's not even cut well. Because it's like... Here's Orc 1 say something. Here's Orc 2. Cut to the human say something. Now action. Cut. I'm just not interested at this point. At, at this point, I'm just not. It's well, interesting that you are when you're... No, no. I mean, I, I interested in, in, in... By the way, the effects do not look good compared to Lord of the Rings, which came out 15 years ago for some reason. Sure. I'll just say that. I'm not interested in, in the... Uh... In, in the way that I would ever go see this. Oh, oh. I, I, no, 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 no. I said, and I said that I, I, I won't, I won't go see it. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how well it turns out because this, I think, I think that, I mean, there's a large fan base for this. Oh, of course. So I think that this has a lot more riding on it, excuse me, than most video game movies like dead or alive or whatever. Um, and what I saw looked like it could be formed into something serviceable. So that that's what I mean when I say I'm interested. I'm just interested in seeing how it plays out. I'm not, I have zero interest in seeing the movie. I have interest in following it. I don't like. I'm not going to just completely it's, disregard it. It's just a sort of slapdash trailer. Where in this trailer we have to establish that all right, you have humans, you have orcs that invade. Now you have this hybrid orc woman with a baby. 
Now you have the orcs and humans after fighting each other, forming an alliance. That's a lot to, that's going to be a lot to take in the movie, let alone in a trailer to try to sell me it. I'm like, okay, I'm so worried about the orcs fighting the humans. Why would I care about the orcs if the orcs are fighting us? Why would I get on their side at all? And in the first game, uh, from what I remember, it, the humans get their asses kicked. Maybe that's what the first movie should have focused on. Like, because they want to build a franchise, obviously. And if that movie doesn't do well, you ain't going to see the, the the alliance form for the sequel. I'm guessing if that's the direction they're going. Um, I just think, um, I'm just not sold on it yet. Maybe once the second trailer comes out, if it's cut better, uh, that'll be something. I can't get over the effects of the orcs not looking nearly as well as the orcs in Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. Then again, these are hulking, big, huge uh, ones and not people makeup. Maybe they could have went halfway or did some because yeah. the makeup is incredible. Uh, the orcs, the, the orcai, the big ones and the small ones, they look incredible and that's all practical makeup and and uh, uh, effects they use. I'm just not I'm just not buying the world yet. I'm just thinking I'm just not buying it yet. Sure. I'm not saying for you out there that you're, that's not cool. Now remember, Pat can have a different opinion doesn't mean I'm a total asshole. On you're this playing. One. You're playing real defensive. This podcast. I'm playing defensive. I don't. I'm not sure why. Did something happen after the last podcast? I'm just hungry for a burrito. I'm. This is a marathon session. Yeah, we started a half hour late. Forty-five minutes. Well, that's why. <laughs> so we're actually on time. Um. So Activision. Speaking of Warcraft, Activision slash Blizzard are starting a, a TV slash movie studio. Okay. This doesn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. Um, they announced... Uh, so basically, the two things that have been definitely announced are Call of Duty movies, and... Which, was, it, which the movies... Or which the games are, I should say. And mm-hmm. uh, Skyland, and a Skylanders animated series. That sounds cool to me. Uh, okay, so, sure, it is, except for the fact that it's one... It, there's no way it's not going to be anything except for one big commercial for the toys. Which a lot of com- cartoons are, though. Sure, I guess, but with this just seems very blatantly like that's what it would be. Um, but hey, I mean, if kids enjoy it, great. But it, you know, every character they introduce is going to be a toy that you can run out and buy. And yes, you're right. Okay, fine. Uh, My Little Pony, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, He Man. It's all. It's the same thing. I don't know why I'm necessarily looking at it this way. I guess I'm looking at it this way because this is a studio that has been formed specifically to churn this type of shit out. Yeah. Specifically, I mean. That's that's my problem. Um, Call of Duty movies, they're churning it out because they know that there is a huge fan base, and I do believe that fan base is dwindling a little bit. It's not as popular as it once was. It took us a lot longer to move our Call of Duty copies this year than it usually does. Um, but you can churn out generic military movies, you know, with, with these paper-thin plot lines, you know, that they attach to these games. I, I just find it... I, I almost find this to be... A cynical move. It, it, it's not a movie studio. They're producing big budget oh. commercials. I'm, I'm reading here that I didn't realize they bought the company that does Candy Crush for five point nine billion dollars. Oh yeah, no, that was that was announced. That was a while ago. So they're just saying, hey, we're gonna buy everything up. I know you make a lot of money with Call of Duty, with Warcraft stuff. I, I realize that. I think all these companies trying to get into these different areas are taking a gamble. Obviously, yeah. T- Warcraft's, Warcraft's th- say what you about Warcraft though that's less of a game because at least it has a story to it already built in doing big budget Call of Duty movies I'm just picturing that like remember that like Navy SEAL movie that came out like yeah. a year ago 
that looked cool, but it's like, all right, it'll make a little bit of money. You don't need you don't need to attach Call of Duty onto a you know onto a movie to to do that sort of style of movie. This doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and the weird thing too is I. I don't understand why everyone thinks they're going to be the first person to do a video game movie right. Like, and they've, been, they've been done right, by the way. Just few and far between. Three, yes, few and far between. But why would you create an entire studio to do something that historically could, has always okay. been a gamble? Could you name... Do you know anyone who can name the... Seriously, I mean, seriously, name the plots of the Modern Warfare series and, and say, I want to see that as a movie? I know people who can name the plot, but I don't know that they'd want to see it as a movie. I mean, from what I heard, the first Modern Warfare, and I've said it on the podcast before, I played the first Modern Warfare. I played the shit out of it. It was a great game, and it had a great story. And then I never played another Call of Duty ever again. That was all I needed. But I heard that the game went completely off the rails with the second one. The third oh, yeah. One. When, when, when the second one, you have your gunning down people at an airport. Well, yeah. and I, be- I believe a nuke goes off in the the the, the sub atmosphere or something, the atmosphere, right. or some shit like that. Yeah, I'm not seeing this. One. I, I might see the World Cup one. I'm not seeing Call of Duty movies. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not seeing it because of the audience. Do you, do you think people get? Do you think they'll put asses in the seats just by slapping Call of Duty on that? Well, I think it could, but this, this it's I, I really see it as a flash in the pan. This, and that's the thing: one bad Call of Duty movie. And you're not going to get people to return for more. And then, what is your studio doing? Are they going to put them out the same, the same like every year? Like have the Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the next year of the Black Ops game. Let's say they're in the movie, all <laughs> the Black Ops movie, right? They'll, just, they'll alternate directors. I think. I think they can. <laughs> here's the thing. At least with with a, doing a Call of Duty movie, there's a way you can do it and have the budget as huge as a Warcraft movie. Uh, at least you're doing a. Well, mil- that's what I mil- said. It's 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 easy to churn that shit out. You can do a military film. $80 million movie, you know, $70 million movie. Get Kevin Spacey to do his, his slimy character from the Advanced Warfare thing. You sure. know, there's a way to do it, I, I guess, but in my head, I'm. it's got to be a really damn good plot, or else you're going to have to get really big action stars in it. You have to get The Rock in a Call of Duty game. Sure. You know, it's like, do you want to see that? I don't know. I just I just think, let's relax here. Next year, you're going to expect Nintendo to, to, to open their own studio at this point, which actually might make sense for at least for animated movies. No, I just want Nintendo to open a fucking theme park. That's what I want. I've wanted it for years. Well, you got that Ubisoft one. And they're doing movies too, Ubisoft. Yeah, let's not talk about that anymore. Let's instead talk about the gem movie, which we covered a little while back. Oh, man. And you were like, I don't see why you're upset, Pat. Oh, this is why I'm upset. Well, because early on I had no idea what, what was really going on with it. Or I just didn't understand being upset over it because it meant nothing. And I'm still not upset over it um, because the comic is good and the cartoon is good and always will be. Um, but, yeah, so Gem did come out and that horrible misrepresentation of the, uh, the, the, the cartoon and what came before it. Got yanked after two weeks. Two weeks. That's unfucking precedented. It did on its opening weekend an average of something like five hundred and seventy dollars per screen. In its second week, it was doing an average of a hundred and seventy dollars per screen. So it, that's that's, that's like seventeen thir- people, thirteen okay. people in the fucking. Okay, it's, it's like it's like thirty-five people, which is abysmal. Yeah, if you're looking at like twelve dollars a ticket, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Forty-five people. We're talking sparse theaters. So here's the problem. Not to not to recap the awfulness of this because we did before though. When you shit, not just bit. When you shit in the fans' faces, you're stealing the words right out of my mouth. When yeah. you shit in the fans' faces, it happened with Fantastic Four. 
it happened. I'd say worse with Gem. Uh, no, no synergy, no holograms, no supercomputer. She's a fucking teenager. Instead of owning her own business and, and owning the orphan, no, no misfits. They're not. This is not Gem. No, you you can call it Gem. It's not the cartoon. Here's the and here's the thing for me. Um, okay, you wanted to appeal to a younger audience. Why? They they're not going to care. They're going to take one look at this and go, "This looks fucking lame." This looks like an. This looks like a a Nick Junior movie. Is what they're going to say. Right. Exactly. So you're not going to get the younger audience that you that you think you're going to because it's not recognizable at all to them. Jem was not even. A, I mean, they these, these children were not even a thought in their parents' fucking heads when when Jem was. was Jem was, was gone relevant. by what eighty seven. It was gone. So what you needed to do was appeal to your the core fans and then hope that you could drag in some youth audience. You could get the 30-something moms or 40 moms that would drag their kids yeah, to see it. But you cannot alienate... I would have saw a gem movie no, if I it was right. I, I mean, in my experience, there are just as many guy gem fans as there are I girl seen gem it. fans. I would have been in the theater. Yeah, I would have too if it, if it, if it looked like it was going to be remotely decent. So... It's just, yes, these these companies... I, I don't even know how these things get greenlit. Like... You cannot shit on an entire fan base and expect to make that money back by uh, pulling in an entirely new fan base. You, I mean, where? How are you going to create this entirely new fan base? It just no, that, that be, doesn't be, work. Because when you strip it of all its appeal, the the comic book superhero stuff, which is what it basically was, it was like a like they were yeah. like superheroes. When you strip it of that, there's there's nothing interesting left. So then you can't. It's like okay, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take the Avengers. But they're not. But they're not superheroes anymore. Right. They're still gonna have costumes though, but no superpowers. Powers. Right. And we'll give it a low budget, and then who's gonna see it? No one. No one. So this is what happened with Jim, which is a shame now because you're never gonna see a live action version again, or maybe like 15, 20 years later they'll try again. But what sucks about this is that I don't think they even had faith in it because even though this bombed horribly, it only cost like five million to make. Which isn't a lot for a, a movie like this, so it's not like they lost a huge, huge amount. They probably did. I, I only saw like two commercials for it, so they didn't market it that much. Uh, Bonnie know. was telling me that the poster was only up for the opening weekend, and even though it was in the theater near where she worked, they, or where she works, the poster was down uh, after that first weekend. Because the weekend. theater made no money. Yeah. Because again, who's going to see this? And I guess they're committed to when you when you book a move uh, a movie, you, you're committed to two weeks. But that doesn't mean you have to fucking advertise it. You no. just have to run showtime. No, why would why would you advertise it if, if it's done awfully? You might as well advertise like remember like the coming to theaters watch Benedict Cumberbatch as Hamlet live, and that makes more money. That stuff or the sure. op seeing the opera live in theaters. What a disaster! I would have given this a shot. I as as bad as Transformers was, I at least saw that in theaters. At all, fighting robots. All right, the the cartoon on fighting robots. Okay, even though it wasn't that good. And Gem, what's the, the same thing? Oh, they have instruments. That, that that's that's where it ends. That's yeah. That's basically where it ends. They're women with instruments. Okay, so this is one that I've been um, I've been kind of dreading but I, well okay so when the peanuts movie was announced uh and especially when it was announced in 3d um i flatly said that i would never ever go see it you were that person um 
I'm a huge Peanuts fan. The Peanuts mean a lot to me for a couple they're, of reasons. They're very tasty. The shells are sometimes hard to open, but... Oh, sorry. I, uh, I, I, I read it growing up. I related to it. Um, it was a very uh, close tie uh, between my grandmother and I uh, uh, before she passed away. Um, her and I both loved the Peanuts. It was tradition every year she'd get me the, the new books that Fantagraphics would put out. Uh, when she passed away, I, was, I, 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 I haven't been able to read Peanuts since. So as the movie drew closer, I, I kind of felt like, for some reason, I, I had to go see it. I just felt like it was something I had to do, something I had to push through, something intangible that had to do with the memory of my grandmother and all this. And I just said, fine, I'm, I'm going to go see it. And uh, they did it. Um, they made a a really good Peanuts movie. Um, and it made me very happy. Uh, I was so worried that they were going to um, fuck with the characters too much or try to modernize it too much. Uh, the, I mean, the moment that I saw that it was going to be in 3D, I was like, fuck, they're going to have smartphones. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and shit like that. They didn't have smartphones? No. Uh, the telephone in the Brown household is a rotary telephone. So this still takes place sometime 50 years ago, basically. It's modern, but you no. don't see computers. I mean, it never feels out of date, but you don't see computers. Yeah, you don't see cell phones. Um, everything in the movie was, was right. Uh, 86% of Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, fresh approved. It's, so. yeah, it was, it was good. Um, I had some minor gripes with it. Um, that I, I actually got over fairly quickly. One was the uh, the the visual appearance of the little red-haired girl. Um, she was in a couple of the animated specials, but she was never shown in the comic. Uh, I believe she got a, a, a name in the one of the animated specials. She's the one with the curly red hair, right? No, that's... No. Is that someone else? No, that's Frida. Um... So anyway, that's that. Yeah, that's free. So that bothered you, okay? So it it, it kind of bothered me because it was shown in the specials. It was shown in a later special. Charles Schultz very much never wanted her to be seen. She was an un- unobtainable object of Charlie Brown's desire. So they changed that. So, but, but they 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 never named her, which to me was fantastic. The entire movie, he just calls her the little red haired girl. She never gets a name. Um, which is great. Uh, little things that like only like really big fans would notice were in it. Um, he obtains her pencil, which he does in one of the, the peanuts arcs and, uh, there's teeth marks on it, which is a very little thing to most people. But to me, it meant a lot. Like, so there's, there's little callbacks to the comic strip all over the place. Um, well, this was done by, by his, his his son and his grandson. So they're, um, I don't know. All the characters were were spot on. Marcy um, got a more prominent, uh, more speaking. She was she was slightly. Um, I don't know how to put it, but she was the only one who was altered a little bit, but not in a bad way. It made the character better for me. Um, Bill Melendez, who is dead, uh, was the voice of Snoopy and Woodstock because they. They went back and they got all of his archival audio 
and they used it. They put together Snoopy's entire um, uh, audio. Well, I'm, using, sure, I'm sure there's tons of it they could yeah, use. Yeah, using. Uh, but the fact that they did that just, instead of getting someone else that meant the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I mean the Red Baron scenes were fantastic. Um, so to talk about the movie a little bit, uh, it it's done. There's an overarching storyline, um, but it's done through a series of almost vignettes where mm-hmm. it's like mini comic arcs that lead into a bigger one. So there's one about a book report. There's one about a school dance. Um, like 10, and, 10, 15 minute chunks. Right. And they don't necessarily chunk them out, but you can tell kind of where one thing is starting and another thing. Is, like, like, a, is like is almost ending. like a week of comic strips. Yeah, here. exactly. It felt like you were watching the comic strips, which, which was, is the way it was the way you adapt it. Yeah. And, um, it starts in winter and ends uh, at the end of the school year, so you get all of the spots you would normally you get. get. You get baseball. The, you get the ice skating. You get a little, a uh, little bit of uh, the baseball. Um, football. You get, like, the, get the kite. Kite. Football actually is a. Uh, it's a. It's a segment right after the uh, the, the midpoint of the credits. Okay. By the way, he does not kick the football. If he kicked the football, it would have ruined the entire fucking movie for me. Yeah, you're not supposed to kick the football. Um. There's a spot in the movie where... Uh, spoilers, by the way. There are, yeah, there are spoilers here. Um, there's a spot in the movie where um, he gets credit. Charlie Brown gets credited with getting the high score on a, on a test, and he ends up finding out that it's not his after he's gotten hugely popular and Sally's selling Charlie Brown merchandise. That's and, like, really funny. He's huge so- all over the school. and But, like... There's a point where I thought they were going to break his character, and they don't. And it, it, just so much care and attention was taken to it. Um, my the only problem I have with it that I I will probably never get over, and this is what's weird because I did enjoy the movie so much, um, is that Charles Schultz specifically said that nothing was to ever be done with his characters after he passed away. I understand that, but... and I can't. I, I guess because the, his work means so much to me on a, on a handful of levels, I I, I I just find that very disrespectful. Yeah, the, why the, the has his has his son said anything? Why they, they did that? They did that that an, the animated one which came out. Uh, was it last year? Was the animated special the new one that came out last year? I actually don't recall the spring one. I probably I probably wouldn't have paid attention. Well, they, to they brought it. back they brought back what Sherman and people were losing their shit. At least I went to the panel. Sherman, people, yeah, people were crying watching the uh, the like they had a small little clip. People were actually crying around me <laughs> I at Comic Con a few years ago. I cried through the entire movie. I, I'm not kidding. So I, aren't I, you I, glad it exists though? I don't know. Are you I mean, okay? Let's put it this way. These characters are iconic. It, you can still entertain a whole new generation. I think that even though he said he doesn't want it to exist anymore, anything new, I think this is great uh, because you have the family carrying it on. It's not like this is some sellout thing. And by the way, it's made a lot of money. It's made $44 million over the weekend. They're going to make another one. You know, well, you that's can... another thing I have an issue. I, I, I'm, I'm worried about. This movie was... It was great. You thought it was perfect as is. I don't. You yes. Don't want and one. the ending, while it's a little bit sweeter than Shulls would have ended it, the ending was perfect. I, I well, not perfect, but I was I was happy with it. But it also leaves it open for a sequel, and I think that's a sequel so, that definitely does not need to be. Made. Was it? Was it? So was there an overarching plot between the, the vignettes? Yes, the overarching plot. The overarching plot was was Charlie Brown and the little red hair. Oh, of course. Okay. And at the end. 
spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Um, they need to uh, find pen pals for the summer. And when Charlie Brown's name comes up, no one wants to be his pen pal. The little red-haired girl says that she'll be his pen pal. She explains it's because of all the qualities that he showed throughout the different vignettes. And he realized when he gets home that he never gave her back his pencil, her pencil. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole scene at the end where he's running through a fair and he gets caught up in a fucking kite. And, uh, you know, he, he goes and he gives oh. the pencil back to her. And oh. as she's getting on the bus for summer camp because he wanted to give, you know, give it back to her before she left. And she says, I'll write you soon, pen pal. Oh, that's and sweet. It is. It's very sweet. Um, because there is there is a similar scene that plays out in the comics that does not end that way. He misses her in the comic. In this, in this, he he doesn't miss her. Yeah, so you, yeah, you can't have everyone going home sad. No, you can't. And that's and and, and and that's kind of the thing. The, it, there is definitely some darkness to the movie. If they had sweetened it up entirely, I would not have liked it. But obviously, they had to take the edge down a little bit. It's 2015. You cannot have a movie that is G-rated and aimed at kids and adults, admittedly, that is full of just Charlie Brown getting shit on yes. for an hour and a half. You don't want to wonder when this kid's going to kill himself. So, right. So, I I have no problem with that. Um, and I don't even have a problem with I the think, ending. But I just don't think they need to try it again. Like, okay, yeah. guys, good. Congratulations. You got it. Can we please not do this so again you, and fuck it you up? Did, so you didn't see that special that came out like last year? No, like I said, I, yeah. I, I, I really don't pay attention. I, I buy the comic that comes out like in that traditional comic format, like like at a comic store, mm-hmm. but only because I like the covers. Um, I, I don't actually read it. I have. I, I re- this is the first time I've ever allowed myself to experience something that is Peanuts that was not under the direction of Charles Schultz. But you're happy and glad it exists. It's probably better than half the animated films they did way back in the 70s. I'm happy 80s. it turned... Let me put it this way. I'm, I'm very happy it turned out good. I enjoyed it. I will probably own it. I would have been fine with it never being made. Fair enough. I, I just think it's tough to... Uh, you know, Charles Schultz, if he's older, who knows what's going through his mind and he doesn't want to continue without him. To me... That's not, it's his right. It's a little bit egocentric to say someone can't do it without me, because obviously they can. It, it is, you know, his kid and his kids no, I mean, knew it, how, how he wanted it. Yeah. What, what if what if Bill Waterson said he never wants anyone to do anything with Calvin and Hobbes and his wife picks it up or something like that? I mean. Well, yeah. I think that's a different issue. I, I think because, uh, I'm glad you segued into Bill Waterson because Charles Schultz is his, his that's yeah. what he bases his comic strip on for the most part. It's, it was his idol. He wrote the... Yep. He uh, wrote the foreword to the first treasury. Yeah. Um, is that Bill Warson doesn't want anything to exist outside of the comic strip. That, right. to me, is a different argument. He doesn't want... There's sure. never there's there's never been any merchandise save for the couple of calendars. And yeah, it's, that's it. Sorry. Yeah. There's no mugs. There's no, there's no stuffed hobs. There's no stuffed Calvin. There's no official t-shirts. There's nothing. It's barren. So for for that to me is totally different because then he doesn't want, Bill Larson doesn't want to ever hear what Calvin sounds like he doesn't want to hear what Hobbes sounds like sure. he he wants that to just exist in people's heads Charles Schultz obviously was okay with that happening. yeah but I mean at the end of the day we're still talking about a guy who said he didn't want the children that he wrote for fifty years to ever be touched by anyone else's hands because they were his kids sure I understand that. Um, now this makes me think that maybe Waterson sees this and maybe that changes his mind a little bit. What if they did a Calvin Hobbes that 
that he controlled with this with, 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 with a similar look. It's 3D, but it's still 2D-ish look, which I think is a great look. It's perfect. I think uh, I did want to touch on that, actually. Um, one of my biggest fears was that it was going to look awful. It actually looks great. And you know why? Most of the shots are framed like it's 2D. Sure. Which is great. There's very few there's very few examples in the movie that use a ton of depth or anything like that. It or running looks, towards or away. Right. It looks very much like a comic strip. Um I, I, I yeah, I'd love to see a Calvin and Hobbes film if done correctly. I think something similar. You'd have to do it in vignettes with different stories. Um, you know, you do a spaceman Smith thing, you do what one with uh, the you know, one with the babysitter. One vignette with that Calvin ball on on the toboggan or sled and build it. It'd be really tough. It'd probably be tougher than doing it, tougher than doing a peanuts movie. You could do it though, but do you want to see it? Well, the problem is, is that it, with a Calvin and Hobbes thing is um, peanuts had a a very diverse cast of characters. Calvin each Hobbes one of each yeah. one of them uh, with a different personality. Um, Calvin and Hobbes has Calvin and Hobbes. Plus, half of Calvin and Hobbes is very philosophical. And that might that probably go over a lot of kids' heads. And it would be really tough, I think, in the movie to um, do the stuffed Hobbs, real Hobbs thing uh, without. Uh, I think that would be difficult. You you cut away, you cut back when the parents are talking to them, and then it's a stuffed. You could do it. You wouldn't have to be like sparkling, come to life. You just cut away. Now with sure. Alan, it's alive. sure. Okay. I, I just yeah, I don't I don't think Waters now Waterson has done interviews though the past. Uh, you, like he's softened a little bit. Nope, he's, coming, he's definitely like come out of the come out of his I'm shell. not saying you're going to see a Saturday morning Calvin Hobbes cartoon, but I'm just saying it's good to see him soften up. And as I think any even the most skeptical, cynical fan no, like I'm me, I'm happy would, you liked it because to you it's like enjoy this. To you, this is like your biggest the biggest thing you like for the most part. So if this was bad, you would have been. <laughs> My, Crestfallen. Fr- my friend once joked that I worship at the altar of shawls, and it's it's basically true. And uh, I had this, had I, I'm happy I went to see it instead of not going to see it. Yeah, I think. You, but I, had I gone and seen it and it was awful, I would have been devastated. Now, did you did you read any reviews before you saw it, or did you want to go in without reviews? I uh, didn't actively search out a review, but I heard I was hearing good things about it before so I, I went. Yeah, and that that kind of. One of the headlines was, um, no, don't worry, it's not going to ruin your childhood. All right. I was like, okay. Real quick, um, this was sort of somber, but I guess cool news in a way. Uh, there was a guy uh, who had terminal illness, that huge Star Wars fan, and uh, he had a request that J.J. Abrams fulfilled. He wanted to see a, a, you know, a rougher cut of the Star Wars Force Awakens early, and it was granted. Yep. Uh, to him, which was I... stuff like this happens from time to time. It's not usually publicized. Uh, a lot of it, it's usually behind the scenes because you know some people don't want something that's publicized. Uh, his name was Daniel Fleetwood, and so he got to see it, and then he died like five days later after seeing it. You I'm know. just happy it worked out. I mean, I honestly was very, geez, too emotional topics. Spindle <laughs> cell sarcoma. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was very, very. 31 only. Skeptical that they were going to do it. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of faith in huge companies doing uh, gestures of kindness. Well, I, I think I've heard that he'd done it before with one of the Star Trek movies, I think. J.J. Abrams? Uh, well, I, I'm not I'm not saying J.J. Abrams exactly, but J.J. Abrams 
I mean, he can't make that decision himself. Sure, but it, it's, I hate to be cynical, but it's really good press. Uh, no, it, it is. You know, it's it saying, is. Disney's like, all right, you take your take your laptop over and you put it on TV. He's not going to steal it. You right. Know, just watch it and that's it. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I posted on Facebook that, yeah, yeah, geez, spinal cell sarcoma, aggressive cancer that left 90% of his lungs covered in tumors. Holy shit. Yep. God, that's just like awful luck. That's all it is. Um, and he was married, and then they helped spread the word on Reddit uh, that there's a hashtag force for Daniel, and then even Mark Hamill, John Boyega. Once you get the stars of the movie doing it, you're pretty much you're yeah. obligated to. You're like an asshole if you don't. <laughs> right? You're gonna let the guy die without seeing your movie. I mean, come on. When Hamill, when Star, when when Star Wars says <laughs> yes, when Luke Skywalker says <laughs> this is happening, do it. You it's do gonna it. happen. Um, so, I wonder. I wonder if that if, if he if that sort of you always wonder if that keeps that sort of thing keeps you alive. There's always a story, and it's true. After the the Red Sox won the um, won, won the World Series in 2004, um, you had a lot of people old people die like right afterwards. Sure, they're just keeping themselves alive, willing themselves to be alive to watch something like that, yeah. and that that happens. That, that happens. You have sort of that sort of inner fire that kind of keeps you going mind over matter at least a little bit uh for something like this so uh good for you daniel hope you hope, hope you enjoyed it and we're all gonna be seeing it in holy crap in like less than six weeks yeah in like seven weeks no five weeks it's the 18th right uh yeah five weeks we're gonna get a the first new star wars movie since 1983 i can't wait <laughs> all right we're not doing a and a this time because we just talked for like over two and a half hours. Um, yeah. And we're tired and it's late. But we're going to unbox stuff that you guys sent. We haven't done that in a while. Me. You want to start, Ian? What do you got? What do you got? Let's read this letter here. We have a two-parter. It was said It said open before November oh, 21st. That's not a letter. That's uh, Lindsay drew a really sweet freaking dragon. So, Oh, who's this from? Uh, it's from Jeremy and Lindsay. Oh, cool. Um, Is there a letter? A letter. Yeah. Hopefully you don't mind us writing this, reading this. Hey guys, I hope things are going well for you and, you're, and you finally got to rest up from all the conventions. Long story short, me and Lindsay really appreciate everything you guys have done over the years. You've provided countless hours of entertainment for us to enjoy. You two were super cool to us with too many games and made us feel like we were important. You even helped give us the final push to follow our dreams. My wife oh. with her artwork and myself with a YouTube channel. I'm happy for you guys. Enclosed in this package is a dragon for Ian to go with Isabel. And package two of two is a crossover unit, some assembly required for Ian, and an Eliminator NES cleaner for Pat, since yes. I know it's your preference. Pat, it was great to see you again at Retropalooza, and it was cool of you to stop by our table to say hi. Even cooler was the fact that you remembered us. To Ian, thanks again for being so cool with us on Twitter, and hope to see you both again next year. Your good friends, Jeremy and Lindsay Ford. Thank you so much, guys. I remember you guys. You guys are cool. You guys, you guys did a drawing for me. She's incredible. Yeah, she's a really good artist. She's absolutely freaking insane in what she does. Let me put it closer. Uh, look at that. Yeah. You can keep that one. That's nice. I know I can. It says it's for me. Oh. Oh, what's wrong? <laughs> I don't get anything? Uh, you got the, uh, the, the the eliminator. And, uh, yeah. And then I got a stereo crossover, which I don't have. A Behringer. So that's awesome. Just give me my Naki. So, uh, where is your Naki? It's in your hand. Oh, it is. <laughs> Give me that Naki. It's better than gold. 
Yeah, uh, we what, treat them like gold at Looney Tunes games. When am I doing my Pat the NES Punk Naki knockoff uh, and sell them like hotcakes? Actually, we've uh, Treg and I have been discussing uh, how we are going to make our own our, our own NES cleaners. Well, you got to license the 3M. Uh, yeah, I've got to get the tons of money. material. But no, this is a good shape, this one. Mine is, I had a super glue mine, but we needed an extra one. This is fine shape. I mean, they always come loose. Yeah. Thanks for the Naki. Ian has a, uh, a crossover rig thing. This is from the same guy who wanted to be, uh, remain anonymous from last time we sent him some stuff. So, this is for Ian. Hmm. And then the comics are not really marked. Just, well, let's see what we got. I'd assume the comics are for you, and well, let's see. I, I we can share, and then there's old role playing stuff in there. I think that bad guy. Well, there's Ultimate Spider-Man collection. I do like the Ultimate Spider-Man line. Uh, I, I remember reading the first year or so of it, and I thought it was okay. What, what do you got there? Uh, I've got some great, uh, some great '80s cartoons. I got some Transformers on DVD, uh, GI Joe, and Which, I got to be honest. Uh, what I'm most excited about is. Uh, the He-Man um, DVD no, set? No, I'm jealous of the He-Man DVD uh, set. Top 10 fan-selected episodes. Because I don't know if He-Man's... I know like a lot of them, those you, like, you can watch on Netflix or Hulu, like Transformers, J. Joe. I don't know about He-Man. I don't know if you can watch those. I, I always look for it. I think it might be available on one of those now, but what was always weird was, like two years ago on Netflix, you could watch She-Ra, but He-Man was not on there. Interesting. So, so this is awesome. So I have the first three volumes of the trade paperback, which is the only way I'll ever read comics again, probably. And then uh, a Spider-Man uh, looks like one shot, which I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you want to borrow this, uh, uh, who? Wait, I think did Bendis La, write it? Bendis and La Fuente. That should be really good. I got that. I like Bendis. There's more. These look older. Oh, yeah, this is for you. Yeah, old uh, old role playing stuff. Whoa. Yeah. Advanced D&D, Dungeon Module A2, Secret of the Slaver Stockade. Holy crap, this is from... How old is this? Old. Uh, this... Probably like 78? 81. 81, okay. Wow. There you go. Yeah, this is awesome. These oh. are so cool because they... Yep, they've got the maps in the front and everything. I want to keep this one because it looks cool. Gamma World, 1980. Legion of Gold, GW1. Are you... Uh, the person who's anonymous, are you sure these are for Ian? Because these look sweet. <laughs> oh, look at the map. Oh, this one's falling apart, but it's still cool. There's a map on the back. So is this is this separate from Dungeons and Dragons, I guess? This is a, a different universe? Yeah. Which looks pretty cool. No, I like the art. This one I want. It's another TSR one. Um, there's two more. Here's a Gamma World, oh, Gamma World Science and Fantasy. This is 81 as well. Wow. There's a map in here, too. This is uh, Gamma World as well and then there's one more is it another module and this is I don't know what this is what? To... Nighthawks Star Frontiers Nighthawks basic game I think this is a different game entirely yeah so I'll play I'll play Nighthawks that sounds cool it sounds like an 80s thing Tactical Nighthawks coming to the rescue Nighthawks gonna save the day picture a cartoon with that thing oh, this is a hex game so we have Parasite Eve That's for PS1. One. That one's super good. If I have this, I'll give it to you. I'm not sure I have it. I do have it. Okay. That's so fine. that is yours. We got Circus Atari and Asteroids for 2600 Circus Atari is so much fun. Asteroids is good for what it is. Oh, and then uh, the pack-in to the Intellivision, the first pack-in, Poker and Blackjack. <laughs> 
<laughs> Boy, I'm sure that moved units. We have, uh, <clears throat> there's a tag here. We have Frogger. I'm not sure about this one, if it's good or not. The, it's the, not bad. And then we have uh, Vagrant Story. And that's a good one. And Legend of Dragoon. I don't, I don't, I, lots of people I've, like it. I have never I've played it. I've seen a it. billion copies of these before. Um, and then, I don't, I don't have this one. I do have a lot of, I don't have two Mario Last Revelation. Was that like three or four? That's four, I believe. Explore tombs as teenage Lara Croft. Well, now you can again. <laughs> and that's really cool because this is not this the, is interesting. It's not the greatest hits version. It's the actual um, when they Namco did Museum. when they released Namco Museum on the PlayStation. Uh, they did five volumes in the U.S. and it was and each one had a different uh, letter of Namco on the cover. So that's that you don't see those super often. So this has Galaxian, Miss Pac-Man, Pole Position Two, Dig Dug, uh, Fozon, which I don't know if I played, and Druaga. Tower of Druaga. Um, I love Druaga. So yeah, I don't think I have any variant of this. So that's cool. It's it's awesome. I I love those those the the original versions of those. Dear Pat and Ian, hope you enjoy the candy. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Kay. Chad, aka Retro Gamer from Dover Air Force Base. Oh, thank thank you for your service. Thank you. And it's Veterans Day. It I is believe. Veterans Day. I forgot to tweet that. Classic eighties candy mix one. Oh. Classic. So we each get. A classic we each candy get a mix. That's gonna be. Oh God! I gotta, I gotta see what, what what's in here. Please have a. Uh, what's that? What's that chocolate chunky bar? Oh, I love that. Those things are so freaking good. Uh, please, if if anyone's listening, I love the chocolate. Ian likes the sweet candy stuff. I'm more of a chocolate guy. Actually, I'm equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. Oh man, a candy necklace, fun dip, laffy taffy, sweet tarts, gobstoppers, nerds, mini crunch, sixlets, razzle. Yep, that's eighties. Look at that. That is awesome. I, lo- I love this. This is super great. Uh, okay, cr- let's go through all of them. You get... Crybabies, get- Red Hot, Sugar Daddy, Blow Pops. That's it. I read them all. Nerds. Yep. Lemonheads. Red Hots, was that considered 80s? I guess so. Oh, yeah, certainly. I remember that uh, definitely in the 80s. Hot Tamales went- and the little the little Cinnamon Red Hot. Is, fu- what is, is Fun Dip where you get the stick? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, I love that shit. This has everything but Pop Rocks. For yeah. The- <laughs> Basically, for the for the non chocolate eighties candy, this is fantastic. Yeah, I, that is. I didn't know they made stuff like this. Yeah, that's so crazy. And it said on the outside that it was like a, a by decade candy. So I don't think there's just the eighties one. There's probably oh, like a I 70s get like a sixties for fifties for Frank. That'd be, That'd funny. be funny. You know what Charleston Chew's going to be in there? <laughs> Thank you. Do, do you know great. Do you know our local shop still sells the candy cigarettes? Thank God they do. Oh, nice. Uh, they sell really good stuff in there. Who was that from? Uh, Dan- Daniel. Daniel on Veterans Day. Thank you very much. We should be sending you something. Jer- this is from Jerry in in Louisville, Tennessee. Oh, Jason st- Jason Chad stuttered. So Jason. Well, this is marked for you. And I have one as well. All right. And it's more this Halloween candy. Ooh. Oh, mine's falling apart. We have goodie bags. What 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 is this, Ian? Ooh. A wireless handheld keyboard. Woo! Is right. With a what appears to be a touchpad. Holy shit! So this like this so totally well. So you can have your laptop like on the table and. Well, yeah, I could hook it up to my TV like I do when I play games, and I could uh, I could like use the touchpad to play like Heroes of Might and Magic on TV. That that's that's freaking phenomenal. That's awesome. That is absolutely phenomenal. And what's in the case? I don't know, but it's a nice looking box. 
Pat, if my calculations are correct, when you turn this baby on, you're going to see some serious shit. JRI-rig.com. What is this? Is this like a... Ian, your life will never be the same. Is this like a Raspberry Pi? It looks like a Raspberry Pi of some sort, but I guess it's a specific brand. Well, thank you very much. I guess we'll have to plug this in at some point and see what it is. There's an Ethernet connection, HDMI, there's four USBs. These, these Raspberry Pis are absolutely amazing. And oh, here it is. Here's what's on here in the book. Oh, you use the remote with it. Oh. It, this all goes together, Ian. Okay, all right. Well, I'm very curious. Is this like a <laughs> Roku box sort of thing? Well, we'll have to see. I don't when you, know. When you go home, you can put it on. Well, thank you very much. And there's candy. Yes, always candy. We're all going to get fat because of you, the listening audience. I'm trying not to be fat. Ian's but... going to get ripped and do his monkey kung fu style, if it's not for you guys. You're a monkey. Halloween, Halloween candy as well from Jerry. Oh, uh, thank you. I did, did not buy candy for myself this year because I never get trick-or-treaters anymore. And we got, yeah, we got chocolate. Oh, uh, this is... We've got chocolate oh, and sweet stuff coming. Oh, yeah, baby. We got Crackle oh, with, the, with a nice fall autumn label. That's Mr. Good Bar. That's how you know it's fresh. I used to eat one each day, like one of each four. The dark chocolate, the crackle, Mr. Good Bar. The dark healthy. chocolate was always my favorite. Uh, zombie food? Milk chocolate covered assortment of brains, feet, and hearts filled with oozy red caramel. That sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have that when we were kids. Dum Dums, which I... Did I give them all away? I still have some left. Did I give them all away? Uh, we actually bought a massive candy dish and put it on our table, uh, on our coffee table, and just filled it with dum-dums. <laughs> oh, I love the smell of cheap chocolate. Ah, so good. Just huff it. Well, thanks. Thank you very much. I love the mystery yes. uh, raspberry I always, pies that we got. I like what, a good mystery. What, what do we got here, Ian? What do we got? Uh, Gachapon. Uh, Zelda Gachapon and Mario Gachapon. What's what's a Gachapon? Is that like a th- ball thing? Like you capsule put money machine. in? Oh, capsules. Capsule machine. We don't have cool stuff anymore. No, like we that. don't. It's all in Japan. Which one would you like, Mario or Zelda? Can I see. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Blue, I believe, is Zelda, and I believe Mario's the uh, yellow one. Sort of these like figures. Yeah, you take them apart, and sometimes you even have to build them in a little way. What? Here's a letter. Dear Pat and Ian, I'm a fan of your YouTube channel. I particularly enjoy watching your CU podcast videos, Ask Frank, in video game years. After watching your recent Gifts from the Audience video, I thought I would send you my band's album. Aw, awesome. Our music is largely influenced by video games, jazz, and rock. I also included a copy of our album for Frank, if you wouldn't mind passing awesome, it along yeah. to him. Frank Crate. Also, I went out and got you guys some cheap, sorry, video game related trinkets from some gotcha gotcha machines. Don't be sorry. No, this is the best Thank thing you. ever. I love, I love toys. This is what I want. Uh, please divide them up as you like if you want to keep them at all. Yeah, of course we do. Oh yeah, if you happen to enjoy the album, there's a, co- there's a covers and remixes version of it available for free online with the website graphicsontelevisions.bandcap.com. So there's, a, there's an album in there for Frank? Yeah, well, it looks like there's three albums. So. Frank still has to listen to it. You know, someone got Frank uh, an electronic, like, uh, like record album, the last Frank crate. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got to listen to it. He says he's going to listen to it. So one for you, one for me. <laughs> one, one for I just think the cover's cute. All right. Here's the cover. Graphics on televisions. There you go. 
I look forward to checking this out. You want Zelda or Mario? You want Zelda? I want Mario. Oh, I'm so... Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, that's Zelda. Oh, I thought the blue would be Mario. (laughs) Judging by color is an interesting way to do it. This postcard is from the first vegetarian restaurant in the world, located in Switzerland. That's me, pointing to a picture. You're very pretty. Yo, Ian, my name is Saba. Soba. I flipping heart the CU podcast and all that you bring to it. You have a great personality and I appreciate what you have to say. I visited my family in Switzerland this summer and bought you tons of candy and a Bowser Jr. amiibo. Thanks for being awesome. Smiley face, Saba. Soba. Thank you so much. We're back. And because I am a, a child uh, during our technical difficulties, I, I ripped off the lovely wrapping job that Saba. Saba did. Um, what did Saba but I did get? not open the inside. So... Uh, that would be the Bowser Jr. amiibo. Oh, Baggy! He's so cute. Shut the camera. Shut the camera. He's adorable. That's the lighting with that. freaking adorable. And then a whole bunch of Swiss candy. Oh, really? No, they, they, they know they're chocolate. They, they know watches. Okay. So, watches, clocks, and chocolate. I think that we did this wrong. I believe you got a little Mac amiibo. Oh! And the candy is probably in there. Oh! You guys have gotten me all the Amiibos that I ever wanted. You got me Pac-Man, you got me Little Mac, and you got me the retro Rob, uh, Mr. Game and & Watch, and, and Duck Hunt. What else do I want? Thank you very much, Saba. Candy? Relax, Ian. I gotta read my card, too. Thank you. Look at him. Us Italians gotta stick together. <laughs> Little Mac. Not many Not many Italian America, American Nintendo mascots, you know? Yeah, not, you know. not nearly enough. All right, this is from Saba. Wearing the podcast t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love your channel. Thank you. All of your content is top-notch. You are super creative and full of great ideas. I visited Switzerland this summer and brought you some Swiss candy as well, as well as a little Mac and Amiibo. Thank you. Keep up the excellent work. You are marvelous. Smiley face, Saba. Looking good, Saba. All right. I guess this is the candy. Ian, Ian's looking... Well, he's not quite looking like, like, like a blow pop no. like a couple weeks ago, but... Oh, oh. What do we got? What do we got? Salted caramel truffles. <laughs> We're gonna get so fat. Oh. Sea salt truffle. God damn it! We're about to split these somehow, and then oh, the fancy gift box, the cocktail bar. So all, all like, uh, all the booze, all the booze chocolates. All the booze chocolate. We're gonna have to. There's a whiskey, uh, a brandy, cherry brandy. Uh, uh one looks like a pear, and a. And a cherry one. Take a look. Oh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to come up with some method of that, awesome. and, we're, and we're gonna have to split these up scientifically. Thank you very much, Saba. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and you're wrapping. You know, guys usually don't worry about wrapping, but this is this is very nice. This is very very well done. I can't wrap for anything. No, neither can I. I'm miserable it's, at it. Um, we have a couple little more little things. Okay. This is from. Uh, no name from San Jose, California. It's from James. Uh, was forced to part with too much of my collection this year. Pat, I did not see this in your collection video. I hope this has a spot in your collection now. Got it with a box Super Nintendo for $5 at the flea market. Sorry, Ian. No more Namco stuff. Go grab a beer with the cash. I'll part with my other stuff as soon as I get to the get to the buys bins bins there must be something for you in there washer from episode one james 
P.S. Show, great show. Thank you. So he found the five dollars. Right. He told me to go get a beer with the five dollars. I don't know what he found. <laughs> I hope this has a spot in your collection now. What has a spot in my collection? Did I miss something? Did something fall out? There's nothing in here besides the five dollar bill. Uh oh. You might have to come on Twitter and let us know who the five dollars really for was, or was there something else that's supposed to be in there? We'll put this. Let this be the first five dollars the podcast has ever earned. We'll just like frame it and put it there. Well, thank you, James. Uh, so I just hope something didn't fall out of that. Maybe it's in my trunk. Maybe it fell out. I have a couple little cards. This is um, this is to the pumpkin effect. Pumpkin. That's cute. Uh, this is international. Valhalla. It's from Spain. Mercy of Spain. Valhalla, and I cannot see the last name. It's a card. Have you ever wanted to be a cat? You will be able, thanks to the adventure platformer, The Purring Quest. <laughs> Take on the role of Kimchi the Cat and meet famous cat of the internet in a journey full of humor. Hand-drawn graphics, smooth animations. It's on PC and Steam. I guess it's a game. There's a button with a cute cat. That is a cute cat. And there is a card with a download code, which I will not show the camera. It's The Purring Quest. We'll have to play this at some point. I'll cover that. It's the purring quest. I like the cat. Oh, you can't go wrong with a cat game. Thank you very much. Random person advertising their game, uh, I guess. And then this is from this is addressed to me. I could I could say this for the for the Frank Quest, but I won't. Uh, Frank should be Frank Quest. I think that should be a game. Frank Ray. This is from Jason from West Columbia, South Carolina, and. You want Sting? It's WCW <laughs> cards. Oh, they're, oh, they're, they're Valentine's Valentine Day cards. <laughs> Are you serious? Sting says, just dropped in to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> to Pat and Ian, I'm not into wrestling, but my wife found these and I thought they would make you smile. Jason. Look at the DDP one. DDP, hope your Valentine's a bang. <laughs> That's and there's nasty. more. There's two more. Uh, be mine for life. <laughs> and then Flair, Ric Flair says, hope your Valentine's Day is woo. <laughs> That's great. I got, there's a couple more. This this could be the best thing we've ever gotten on the show. The DDP one's great. Yeah, that's probably my current vote for uh, front runner. And then there's a Bret Hart one. You're a hit with me, Valentine. Not too charismatic. Oh, Jesus, Conan. Viva la raza. Have a rowdy, rowdy, and bowdy, bowdy Valentine's I got. Remember when he was popular for a year? Uh-huh. Not sure why. There's Conan. And then Bret Hart. And then there's two more. Two more. There's a combo. Kevin Nash Goldberg. This is the height of WCW. In, yes. In, in uh, 98. Uh, you're too sweet, Valentine, with Kevin Nash. And then turn it over. You're next. <laughs> you're, you're next, Valentine. He's going to give you the jackhammer. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. That was cool. This is very cool. If you want to give to the CU podcast, uh, uh, we can unbox your stuff. It's uh, Pat Contry. Excuse me. It's CU Podcast. Care of Pat Contry. P.O. Box 7695. San Diego, California. Uh, 92167. Uh, we have a marathon coming up November 21st. Be on the lookout for that. I'll be launching my pre-order Kickstarter campaign for my book next week. Be on the lookout for that. And then hopefully that was not lost 
in the mail, whatever is in that. We have the $5 up for grabs. We'll have a we'll have an arm wrestling contest once Ian goes to the gym for a few more months. So we can we can we can we can decide that. Um, You're ridiculous. Can we just get to the splitting of the truffles, please? Oh, okay. all right. Green Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Thanks for following along. We'll see you after the marathon.